Hey guys, this is Brian with Cajun Cardboard coming at you from the great state of Louisiana. Today we've got a special guest and we're going to be doing a 2022 NBA draft discussion where we talk about uh, the lottery picks from last night. So picks one through 14. And we're not going to spend too much time on each, but we're going to kind of share some of the notes that me and my special guest today have made. We're going to talk through uh, some general NBA stuff. There's going to be a little bit of basketball card talk, but if you're looking for just card stuff, today is not your episode. This is more for uh, card investors, prospectors, and things like that. My special guest today is Jonathan Pixley, one of my best friends. He lives here in Baton Rouge with me. He's the only other person in Louisiana that knows anything about NBA basketball. So uh, that is that is one feather in his cap. And Jonathan, thanks for joining us today. How are you, sir? I'm great. I appreciate you having me, man. This is going to be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, I, I told uh, Jonathan before he came on, this is going to be just like us kind of sitting in the living room, watching the draft together, just kind of talking about what we see. Not a lot of uh, organization or professionalism or like concise thoughts, but it's just throwing ideas out there and asking, bouncing questions off each other and just kind of getting each other's perspective on it. And uh, hopefully you guys will will uh, appreciate the rapport that we've built up from being friends for about uh, 35 years, I think, by my calculations. So, And I would, um, I would be willing to bet that of those 35 years, we're approaching 90% of our conversations involve basketball and probably 90% of those involve the NBA. So <laughs> that's, that's a pretty fair assessment. And the first time we've ever been recorded live or not live, but recorded on video. Right. So we've got to watch a, ourselves. It's a crime. It's a crime. In itself. It's a crime. We really should share our gift with the world. So today's the first time we get to share our gift with the world. So everybody who's watching, you're welcome. Uh, so Jonathan, just tell everybody in a nutshell, give me a two minute spiel on you, your, your basketball background, your basketball career, your coaching career, and what you're doing now as far as training. Yeah, so, um, you know, grew up in Baton Rouge, played at the same high school that uh, Brian did, as, and uh, was fortunate enough to earn a scholarship to a Division One school in Birmingham, Alabama called Samford University, and not Stanford. Samford University, uh, where I played for head coach John Brady, who promised me that we would play LSU, uh, which is one of the reasons I ended up there. And my senior year, we came back home and beat LSU. And then miraculously, he got the job the next year at LSU, ended up leading them to a Final Four. Um, had a brief run in the NBA Summer League, uh, worked out with the Spurs in Atlanta and um, and you know was spoke to Jerry West and Mitch Kupchak with the Lakers and uh, was hoping I'd be one of their two second round uh, second round picks that year and did not get drafted, but went out there anyhow with a free agent team. Got hurt in the third or fourth game out there. My career was over, um, and so I had to come back to Baton Rouge, got into coaching, where I coached at a high school here in town, the, the Dunham School, for 20 years, won multiple state championships, developed a private lesson in AAU business, which Brian was a huge part of our AAU business. Um, which led into a Nike contract as well, which I think if we went back, we probably wouldn't do that again. But nonetheless, right, right. Um, we uh, the AAU world was a lot of fun for us. Um, and so now that has all developed into a facility here in town uh, that my wife and I run, and I train NBA and college guys. In fact, I was in the gym just a little while ago with Skylar Mays, who plays for the Atlanta Hawks, who played with us um, in, in our Nike contract. Um, so that's it. That's me in a nutshell. That's where I am and, and, uh, loving life right now. 
I can't believe you left out the Kobe Bryant part of the summer league. Like that should be what you lead with, don't you think? No, name dropping Kobe Bryant. Wouldn't that be the place to start? Well, I, if if Kobe, God rest his soul, were alive today, he wouldn't recognize me in a lineup. So I guess I kind of left that. <laughs> he probably confused you. I was in the same gym as Kobe, yeah. um, watching him work out when he was 19 years old. Uh, when I was with LA out there a little bit, and I did, uh, you know, I did at that time. Also watching him drop 30 on Gary Payton and a half in a summer league game. I'll never forget that. And said, you know what? I think this kid's going to be pretty good. And yeah, uh, yeah he was. He ended up being pretty good. There's not many 19-year-olds that can throw 30 on uh, the glove, right? No. All right. So uh, we came to talk about the NBA draft. I appreciate the background. So you guys can kind of get the gist of – you know, these are two middle-aged dudes who've put about 65, 70 years, well, probably 80, pushing 80 years combined together into just watching the NBA uh, with our fingers touching a little bit at the Division One college level, high-level AAU in the EYBL where I recruited and assistant coached you, head coached. Um, so we've gotten to see a lot of these guys that have been drafted over the past few years, uh, which has been pretty cool because we can say, hey, we coached against them or we saw this guy, this guy, you know, in these uh, in these grassroots games on a very, very high level. So we've got a little bit of a background. Um, let's let's start, Jonathan, um, by going through some of the some of the trades that happened just before the draft. I, I only see two trades that really matter. There was a there was a trade. Let me screen share here for you. There was a Jermichael Green from Denver to Oklahoma City and a first-round pick in 2027. Will we even be alive? I don't know. Uh, for the 30th pick in this draft, that doesn't really matter to me. Does that move the needle to you at all, Jermichael no, Green? Not at all. Not, okay. not one bit. Moving on. We're not going to waste any time on that. The next trade that is, it, well, some would perceive it to be relevant. Dallas picks up Christian Wood, who on paper looks like a fantastic fit, a versatile big. Um, he's kind of the, the modern-day big that can kind of pop. and uh, He can pick and pop. He can shoot it a little bit. Um, he's probably what, 6'11, maybe 235, something like that. A little slight big, you know, he's kind of an undersized five, but an oversized four now. Um, and so Houston pulled that trigger on that. Honestly, I like the trade from Houston standpoint because I think Christian Wood sucks. Um, uh, I can't say it any other way. I don't like him. He's a black hole. I love Kevin Porter and Jalen Green. And Christian Wood thought he was the point guard. What do you see in Christian Wood? Yeah, I, I think it's all going to depend on is he willing to take a little bit lesser role than he thinks he's capable of. Uh, and, and you know, the good thing is, is he's playing with one of five guys in the world that he cannot argue is better than him. So, um, you know, I think if he's willing to take that role, uh, kind of a three and D-ish guy, but also a you know, role pick and pop guy. Um, he could make life a little bit easier. Who's want to do that? Yeah, uh, it, Christian Wood or Kristaps Porzingis. In a perfect world where both are healthy and both are playing for the Mavericks as currently, uh, you know, constituted. Who are you taking? Christian Wood, uh, because we know what Porzingis is. We know yeah. who he is, and he's yeah. just not going to—he's not going to move the needle enough to win a championship. So well, it's I also hard to imagine a healthy Chris Tassforzingis. You know, there it's like—it's exactly. it's a hypothetical that's not even a hypothetical. Yeah. Uh, okay, the next big trade—we've um, got the number uh, Detroit trade, the number thirty-six pick, which ended up being some foreign dude with a girl's name, and a twenty-five first rounder, and then two second-round picks for Jeremy Grant. So Detroit traded Jeremy Grant, cleared up that cap space, moved him over to Portland. Um, thoughts on that from, from Portland's perspective, picking up Jeremy Grant, does it matter? It's irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. I, I'm, I mean, I get that they needed to do it 
but my deal is you 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 get rid of CJ McCollum and who's a 20 point a game guy. Now you replace him with a guy who with Lillard um, you know, doesn't create his own shot great, right? He's a he's a he's a good offensive player, but I think he's more of an empty stats guy. I think he's an empty stats guy on a bad team. I think Denver was who Jeremy Grant is, right? Um, yep. They still need – if they're counting on him to be their number two, then they didn't get better at all. If they have yeah. somebody else planned to come in, then that's different. Well, the question is, if you're hitting the reset button and you're doing a rebuild around, you know, Anthony Simons and Nasir Little and now Shadon Sharp that they they picked up, then why do you want a 28-year-old Jeremy Grant on a big contract? Right. Doesn't, exactly. It doesn't really make sense. I'd almost rather C.J. McCollum, you know. I, I would too, but – with that team, right? Again, it's going to depend on what he's willing to do. If he thinks he should come in and average, you know, twenty-two a game and yeah. eighteen shots and all that, then it's a it's a nightmare, you know. If he if he if he wants to be a better a much better Michael Bridges, Michael Robert Bridges, Huntington or yeah yeah Mikael Bridges. I mean, that's even better. You're right yeah. um, because he is athletic. So uh, then again, it's it's all going to depend on what they are willing to do. And again, Grant now is going to a team where he can't argue that he's the best player, right? Right. So maybe right. he will. That's right. So it's it's incumbent upon Lillard and 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 Doncic to basically say know your role, do what do what you you know what we brought you here to do. And I, I think Grant might. I, I don't see it from Christian Wood because I, I've never seen anybody who uh, well maybe Antoine Walker, but Christian Wood has never seen a shot he does not like. I don't like his game at all. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it, it I, I'm with you. I think he believes he's a number one on a championship team, yeah. and he's going to be a problem. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. Here's a deal, here's a deal in there in that town, though. Okay, if indeed that's the case, he will not last long. No, I, I don't think so. I think the two GMs, Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic, will send him out of town, right? <laughs> uh, and then look, and, and he's significantly better than Dwight Powell um, and um, uh, the pick and popper, Maxi Cleveland, right? He's better than them, right? He's kind of a combination of them, but I don't Does know. We'll see. Better? We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, okay, that's enough about trades. There was one. Well, let's talk about this. There was two more trades that sort of matter. I think that the the Jalen Duran trade, and we're going to talk about Jalen Duran in a second because he was a lottery pick, and we're going to work our way through the lottery. Uh, Jalen Duran was basically just moved out of New York to create cap space, but it wasn't that much space. He was only on a nine point seven, I think, if that's right. Uh, so he's moved to Detroit. Detroit's Wait, talking about Kimball Walker, right? I'm sorry. I'm looking at Kimball Walker and saying, yeah. So Jalen Duran, um, yeah. So Kimball Walker was moved out of New York to create cap space. Kimball Walker's going to get cut by Detroit, correct? Yes. Yes. Has okay. Has to. Yeah. And then Jalen Duran was moved again, yes? He was moved uh, from New York. He goes to. I know this. Hang on. What yeah, am I doing? Well. Jalen Duran, yeah, he's traded to Detroit. Yeah, so he's part of that trade. So, right. so Jalen Duran is in Detroit. So they picked up Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. Yeah, okay. Because um, Charlotte gets the Bucks' 2025 first round pick via Detroit. There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of there was a lot of picks changing hands. Let's just put it that way, right? right. Um, I think Jalen Duran was the biggest lottery pick that got moved uh, or the, the biggest draft pick that got moved. I don't recall any other big ones. The next one would be like the number 19 pick. You like the Walker Kessler kid. Just talk two seconds about Walker Kessler, what you see when you see him. I think, you know, he only shot 29% from three, I think, or 20% from three this past year. I think, though, in today's game, he's going to end up being a serviceable three-point shooter. He's an amazing shot blocker. His yeah, time, he is. His timing is absolutely incredible. And his feet are much better 
than you would think of some giant white guy. I mean, that's yes. just reality. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Um, but uh, I, I think he's he's good on the block, which may or may not matter. Uh, but he's a, he's a great rim protector, and I think he um, I think he's got a chance to be a good shooter. Yeah, I think he's got a place in the NBA. Let's put it yeah. that way. Where, whereas I think there's guys that were taking the first round, they don't. Yeah, I would agree with that 100. percent And I think one of them could be right here in Baton Rouge, right? Oh, okay. Here Possibly. we go. Possibly. Here we go. Here we go. We're gonna get there. Okay, so let's pull up the draft board here. Uh, let me make this a little bit bigger. That's what she's in. Okay, here you go. So uh, number one pick, Paolo Boncaro. Um, you know, let's go through it real quick. From Duke, everybody should know who he is. If you're watching this video, uh, drafted by Orlando, 6'10", 250. He was uh, – Orlando kind of pulled the old switcheroo. They tried to hide the ball, let everybody think they were taking Jabari Smith. I don't know really what they gained from, from you know, that sleight of hand, but they ended up taking Boncaro. Um my comps, and we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about him, but my comps for Boncaro, I think he's a less athletic Blake Griffin, but sort of a Carlos Boozer. What do you see when you see Boncaro? Who do you who do you see? Um, I can't put Carlos Boozer and Blake Griffin in the same sentence, so I'm I'm, I'm going to skate by that one real quick. Okay. And, and, um, I think, uh, and and Woj actually brought this up. I, he's a potentially like a stat stuffer, right? Uh, because yep. he's going to have the ball in his hands. I think he's a better creator than people realize, like for other people, right? Because, um, you know, in college, it's hard to accumulate a bunch of assists because the spacing is different and the number of possessions isn't the same. But I can see him. I mean, I, you know, I think, was it Woj or Windhorse? I can't remember who I was listening to, but they said, you know, they could see him being a, a 27 and five guy as a rookie because number one, Orlando's bad. And number two, he is skilled and the spacing could be good. So, I, Blake Griffin, you know, who was a much better ball handler and passer than people gave him credit for in his prime. That's probably a good comp outside of the freakish hops. Um, yeah. But the but the build is similar. Um, I kind of like that one. I, I would not put Boozer anywhere in his comp for sure. Um, so yeah, I, Blake Griffin's nice. I like that. I, it, you know, he was he was often compared to Julius Randle, who. I can see that as well, uh, especially where Randall is now. As a yeah. Player. So, potentially. And look, I'm not going to let you get away with stuff like this. So, I've got Boozer pulled up. You're not going to bag on my guy, Carlos yeah, Boozer. One numbers. of the greatest Alaskans of all time. Yeah. He got numbers. He put up some numbers, man. He made two all-star teams. Uh, I mean. Oh, an Olympic team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a bad player. He had 20 and 11, 21 and 10, uh, to, you know, 16 and 10, 19, 20, almost 20 and 11. He could play a little bit. Now, he was ground-bound. Uh, and I think Bancaro is somewhere in between. And this is a big gap. Yeah. Somewhere in between the athleticism of Blake Griffin and Boozer. Is that fair? So somewhere between your you and me combined. You and me right. with uh, versus um, Jordan uh, John Moran. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, okay, talk about Orlando. Let's talk about Orlando. Um, they got a bunch of little guards. They got Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz. Uh, Jalen Suggs and RJ Hampton is not a little guard, but he's a guard. Uh, so out of those four, you, you pretty much only need to run your team with two. Is it me or do they have three guys that can only play point? Like Suggs, Cole Anthony, and Fultz can only play point, right? Uh, well, Cole Anthony thinks he's a two, um, yeah. but, but has to have the ball in his hands. But you're right. From a size standpoint, yes, I would agree. Those guys need to be ones. They're going to have to do something with that. They're going to have to address that issue. I don't think they're going to have a hard time finding a suitor for any one of those three guys. Um you know, they never had to deal with that issue because when Cole Anthony was putting up numbers, Fultz was hurt. And then, 
you know, and then Suggs came in and got off to a slow start. But I, I don't know which one of those three, if you were going to keep one, would you keep Fultz, Cole Anthony, or Suggs? Well, it's if I, honestly, who can you get? Well, Cole Anthony's the dude I would keep probably. Okay. Um, but the problem is you could probably get the most for him because he could go to a, a, a contender or a playoff team and be a great Vinny Johnson off the bench. Yes. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and so uh, that would be the issue. The, the the guy I would care the least about keeping is Fultz. Uh I think Suggs, it's up in the air. I thought he was going to be an outstanding player. He still he still may for sure. Yeah. Right. So Fultz, it would go in order: Anthony, Suggs, and Fultz for me. Either way, they got to move somebody. Um, at, at the, as their bigs, I mean, you got Boncaro coming in. He starts day one, right? We're not even going to ask that question, right? Because okay. he, he's he's in there working with Jonathan Isaac coming off his second bad injury. Right. Uh, Mo Bamba. Uh, Mo Wagner, I'm going to call him a big, but he's really the clear three, I would think, on that team. He had a really good rookie season, uh, a clear three, and then Wendell Carter, who actually, dude, I thought that guy was just a big, goofy stiff, but he put up some really good numbers and actually shot some really good percentages. He had a, I mean, nobody notices Orlando was horrific, but uh, Wendell Carter, who was very low on my list of players to watch, had a really good season statistically. So um, I guess they, they go – Wagner, Boncaro, Wendell Carter, yes? Yes, and Wendell Carter ended up being a lot better than he was allowed to be in Chicago, right? Correct. So, um, yeah. I think that's a big deal. Now, we're going to find out with those guys, um, is it the the Sacramento deal with De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, you know, all these guys who, who kind of just throwing up empty stats right now, or do those is there a core there that can come together and stay together and actually develop into – possibly a playoff team down the road. Not next year for sure, but, you know, maybe yeah. down the road. You think it's weird? Have you ever heard of the number one pick not working out for the team that took him? Is that weird? He never worked out for Orlando, never even visited the city. Yeah, and they did a Zoom with him. That was it. And yeah. they loved him. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I've never, ever heard of that. Uh, I, well, I guess except for the the COVID deal, but certainly who was the, who was the pick that year? I don't even remember. I don't um, either. Certainly, he was. He went there at some point before they picked him. I have to. Yeah. Imagine, he was. Uh, hey, I've got trivia for you. You ready? I'm gonna put you on the spot. Yep. Uh, one of two Division One freshmen in history, 600 points, 300 rebounds, 100 assists. Who was the other one? Hmm. The other one would have been. Can you give me a, a decade? Yeah. He. Uh, we know his godfather. Was it? <laughs> we're friends. We're friends with him. With his, with his guy. He played at LSU. How about that? Does that help? He hmm. played in Australia. He was 6'10". We coached against him in the EYBL. Nobody in the world likes him anymore because he's not Are playing. You? Ben. Really? Yeah. Ben Simmons. 600, 300, 100. So Ben Simmons and Paolo Bancaro. That's it. <clears throat> and Division One players. Yeah, 600, yeah, 300. was like 1911 and 7, wasn't he? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We 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 kind of forget about it because we think he should have scored like four thousand points. But isn't he, that amazing? You, you just said he played at LSU. We know his godfather, and I went completely blank because I have removed Ben Simmons from my mind altogether. <laughs> I know because we're talking about basketball. So <laughs> you never, the thought never occurred to you that Ben Simmons would come up in conversation. Uh, but I am wishing the best for him. I do hope he uh, no doubt. I do hope he yeah. makes a comeback and. Uh, yeah, he's he's a very hot topic in the basketball card world. I know you don't live in that world, but as you can imagine, there's a lot of people that were left holding the bag on Ben Simmons cards that bought way too high, and right now he's way too low. So I kind of hope for those people that they do uh, 
be able to kind of squeeze some money out of that. But uh, mega talent, man, mega talent, yeah, mega talent. Like even if he never shot a basketball, he could still help a team win a championship because he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, in the most versatile, maybe the most versatile defender in the entire NBA. I think. Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe and I'm I'm gonna throw it out there. Maybe of all time, he's he's. I've never seen a 6'10", 240 that can push. Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving back across half court after they've crossed it, right? right. And just move laterally like he does. So yeah. uh, he, he's he's special on that end. But again, that doesn't uh, sell tickets uh, and it doesn't make basketball card values go up. So he's got <laughs> some uh, some negative heat. Tell me this, pa- uh, one word answer. Paolo Bancaro, franchise player? No. Okay. Okay. Well, if the answer to that is no, then I think we're about to go through the lottery and there's about to be 13 more no's. Maybe not. We'll see, we'll see where we go from here. We'll see where yeah. we go from here. Uh, anything else you want to add about Boncaro before we move on to uh, Super Chat? I, I, I do think, you know, when you look at the average age of all these, you know, the first, I don't know, 14, 15 picks, of course, it's, you know, in that 19 to 20 range. But um, I feel like Boncaro, even though he's 19, I feel like he's like 30 right now. He looks it. Yeah. I know that, but I'm like, his game is a little more mature. Yeah. Um, and, and these kids right now, you know, they didn't shoot the ball well from the free throw line. And when I say, well, I mean, like he was 73, right? I think all that stuff is going to improve when it becomes their job. I think yeah. he's going to become a serviceable three point shooter, you know? Um, so when it becomes their job, you look, you just got to project skill sets. And I think he's got a chance to be a really, really, really good NBA player. Just not a franchise dude. Yeah. Like, like Boozer, just like I said, the first time. Yeah. Yeah, but just nothing like him, right? Just nothing like him, right? Uh, so, and, and there's one thing you touched on a topic there. You said you think his shooting percentages will improve. That, and that's one thing that that I've learned from just prospecting in basketball cards and really just watching NBA drafts and watching players progress over the course of my life is if there's one thing you can usually count on from these alpha types, right? Guys who have great potential is usually their shooting percentages improve until they get to those peak years in their prime, right? Their late 20s, kind of right to age 30, 31. And then it starts to decline on the downside of that because it's more difficult to create space. Uh, You know, they can't take bumps as well. They can't get as much lift to create gaps, you know, to get clean looks. And so uh, that's one thing that does increase in the NBA. And then the one thing that I know translates from college to the NBA usually is rebounding, they say, right? Like if you're a mad, you know, big time rebounder in college, you're going to be all right in the NBA rebounding the ball. Uh, but shooting usually progresses when you get in the NBA. So there, there's our thoughts on Boncaro. Uh Is that who you would have taken number one? It is because I'm just not sold on any of these other dudes. Yeah. And, and I'm taking into account who's drafting them, right? Yep. So um, yep. that, that mattered to me. You like him in Orlando more than, uh, than Jabari or Chet. Fair enough. Okay, let's move on to number two. Uh, let's, just, let's just get it out of the way. Have you ever seen a human being shaped like this? That, Never. No. Okay, I mean – Bowl, bowl, it, maybe. It's it's um, it's disturbing slash intriguing all at the same time. Right? It is. It yeah. is. When, yeah. when my son told me about, he's like, watch this video, and I looked at it. I thought it was like one of those you were gonna tell me he's like 11 years old and he lives in New Zealand or some weird crap. And I was like, and then I watched it, and um, he moves a lot better than most people that are shaped like him. You know what I mean? Like yes. he doesn't move like Bull Bull. He's a he's got a little more springiness. He certainly doesn't move like Sean Bradley. Not that he's you know Sean Bradley's seven six or whatever. But uh, I don't remember a guy this tall, this thin, that had as much burst. And I hate to say burst, like not John Morant burst, but like he moves back and forth pretty well. He does, and I think he'll with short shot clocks, right? 
he will have the ability to make on a switch if he has to make a handler turn once and if he can make him turn yeah. once then you, you're in help we're, we're gonna see though uh the, the thing he's a giant insect right like he's a yeah. he's a like those old old movies that were you know the graphics were terrible and so like these big monster insects that's what i feel like chet holmgren is and he's but he covers so much ground and the other thing is that you you know you i'm sure you were going to mention it like walker kessel his timing is amazing man like yeah, fantastic. is amazing both on the defensive end and the offensive end like yes. if you go watch him tip tip offensive rebounds like he's got great timing with a great touch all that stuff he just He's just 185 pounds. That's if you had to say your number one primary concern, it is unquestionably he's missing 45 pounds at he's, least. He's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's missing it. And then the question is, can he put it on? Yeah, he can put it on. He's gonna have a team of people feeding him cheeseburgers and Smoothie King. But the question is, will he move the same when he tacks on those 35, 40 pounds? Will he move the well, same? Like Kevin Durant moves better at 240 then kevin durant moved his rookie year at whatever he was 205 right because he's stronger right so that's stronger and that will get stronger yeah what type of weight does he put on and look with the nutrition uh of today i think he's got a chance you know he's yeah. certainly unquestionably the most intriguing risky uh you know prospect here because the dude could be a hall of famer or yeah. he could be an absolute bust Right. And yeah, I, I, I think mean, there's probably very little in between for him as a thing. Agreed. Uh, agreed. I think he's one or the other. I don't know. I mean, he's just an anomaly. He, he really is. I mean, let, let's talk about uh, the Thunder. Right. So the Thunder picked up a few draft picks, but let's let's talk about where Holmgren fits in. They're set. I think I love SGA yep. and Giddy together. Uh, Giddy showed flashes of, uh, you know, of being a preeminent point guard in the NBA. I kind of wish. You know, instead of SGA who can't shoot a basketball, I kind of wish they had a much better, like almost like a CJ McCollum or somebody next to Giddy. That, but SGA is great with the ball in his hands as well. So you almost got two ball dominant guys. I mean, Giddy's probably a point forward, you know, because what is he, 6'7, something like that? SGA is about 6'5, six, 6'6, six, six, also ball dominant guards. Still weird fit. We're going to talk about that for Detroit in a second. Um, so Jaden Ivey's not in the picture for OKC. So you know they're choosing between Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith, right? That, that's their options. W would you have gone with Chet or would you have gone with Jabari? I would have gone with Jabari. But, yeah. I mean, you know, again, I, just because I think of the risk factor involved. But apparently OKC was dead set. They weren't wavering. Um, that was going to be their guy no matter what. And so um, they, you know, they know something we don't know. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Again, the ceiling – those are the two highest ceiling guys in the draft, right? Holmgren and Jabari, for sure. Okay. Jabari's high. I think Jabari's ceiling may be a little higher, um, just because uh, I think he's he's always going to be more athletic than Chet Holmgren. You know? Yeah, yeah, he just is. Um, but uh, it's what and what from a standpoint of you know down the road what their what their potential is, and uh, I don't know. I would have gone with Jabari just because I think he's the next best player. Yeah, I would have too. Uh, but I would have taken Chet. Well, again, again, it depends on your personnel, right? Because we haven't got gotten to a team, and we're not going to get to a team anytime soon that should take Jaden Ivey based on fit, right? Sure. Uh, sure. That's Jaden Ivey is my best player in the draft. Yeah, all right, that was so, one too. Yeah. Are you okay, Coach? So we haven't talked about this beforehand. That that's my best player in the draft. If, for instance, 
fill in the blank team that needs to pull the freaking the Knicks, for God's yeah. sake. So the Knicks have the number one pick. Jaden Ivey. That's what I'm going to say. Knicks take Jaden. You know, anybody that needs a point guard like that, um, or a Celtics, for God's sakes, right? Jaden Ivey, clearly, that would be their number one pick. So uh, the thing about the Thunder, Jonathan, just a couple of notes. They have 14 picks over the next five drafts. That's mm -hmm. insane. Not only can they not use 14 picks, but they could package those to bring somebody in with the initials of KD, I'm hearing, as a possibility. Could you imagine if KD follows in the footsteps of LeBron and goes back to his original franchise where he couldn't win with and then wins him a title with a bunch of these guys that are going to develop? Problem is, all these guys are still in the process of development. No way. You're shaking your head. There's no way KD ends up there. It's all fluff. Yeah. Now, if if people of the caliber of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love show up in their primes yeah. as well, yeah. then yeah, sure, let's talk about it. But with what's going right now, it, it's not happening. Yeah. Do you think, yes or no answer, Chet Holmgren ever scores 20 points per game in the NBA? Yes. Really? Yes, I do. I do. Okay. Well, if he scores 20 points per game, he's an all-star because he's going to he's gonna average, ten, you know, eight, nine, ten rebounds a game. Yeah. He's going to shoot a great percentage, I would think, just because yeah. he has so many easy buckets. Mm -hmm. And he's going to block a hell of a lot of shots. I think, he'll block shots. I, I think he he will at some point in time average right around there. Uh, and I do believe he'll be an all-star down the road. I can see all of those things happening. Um, I just I, – going back to Jaden Ivey, I think Jaden Ivey can average 28 in the in – Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Know. I'm with you too, yeah. He, uh, and we're going to get to him in a second because he, he, he strikes me as a bigger Morant. Um, so so my <laughs> – my two player comps. Sorry, I forgot my player comps. You love them so much after yes. the loser. I've got Porzingis minus 45 pounds. Yes. And then I've got Bull Bowl, but significantly better. So really, we're just making stereotypical comments based on the way people look in their shapes, right? Because yeah. he doesn't play like either one of those guys. No, but he but Porzingis is the closest thing to it. Yeah, right? I agree. So, I agree. Hopefully he stays healthier. If uh, um, yes or no. He breaks an arm or a leg in his first season because he's just the smallest kid I've ever seen. Let's take it a step further. Yes or no, he breaks two at one time. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what he didn't do to help his case for keeping all of his bones intact. Did you see the interview where they asked him who the best player in the NBA was? And he said, me in two weeks. Oh, How about putting a big fat target on your back, right? I mean – that was poor judgment. I don't like that. I he mean, would I'll not have said that. He would not have said that in the '90s when you could actually take people out and just be a foul. So <laughs> he wouldn't have made it to the draft. He probably have disappeared, right? Vernon Maxwell would have tracked him down, or, or Alvin Robertson, or one of those cats, right? Yep, just kind of yep. took him out pre-draft. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of people uh, people are throwing out Chet Holmgren is just like KD. He does KD things. Not there. Uh, a lot, a lot taller. Well, not a lot taller. About the same height, but. Uh, much thinner, but KD, the one thing I'll say, the only parallel between these two guys is people are like, KD is one of the greatest shooters of all time. Yeah, he is. Guess what? He shot 37% his rookie year, 38%. And the reason was he couldn't get easy buckets. He didn't right. weigh enough. And so every time, you know, he tried to create space, he couldn't get people off of him. He never got easy buckets at the rim. He wasn't strong enough to blow by. And so when he was shoulder to shoulder, he couldn't shoulder through contact and carry people to the rim like he does now. He's He's a, I mean, people still act like he's skinny and he looks thin, but he's about 240, right? I mean, that's a big difference between 195 and 240. He's a lot stronger. And the other thing is, you know, KD was already, he, he's become an elite ball handler, but he was already a serviceable ball handler when he entered, yeah. right? And I know Chet Holmgren is serviceable as a ball handler for his position, 
and his height, but he's not an elite ball handler. So here, here's where I think he's going to run into his biggest problems. I think the issue is, you know, they talk about, okay, well, is he a five? Is he a four? Well, who cares what that is, right? I, my issue is this. How's he going to deal with a six, seven, six, eight athlete in a small ball lineup who, when he, when he tries to post, which is going to be not as often as it used to be, right? He's going to get shelved off the block. Bam or, out of bio. Yeah. Or, well, bam out of bio, six, nine, though, right? Okay. Yeah. Use him. That's fine. Or that guy can now get up underneath him and not let him move, right? Yes. Because his feet are so good. So what happens that is he able to get separation? Is he able to do, you know, dirt type stuff where he just shoots it over guys? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. That's the question. Can he can he get you in the mid-range and be a, a one dribble spin fadeaway, a one dribble spin pump fake, you know, those, those kind of things. I don't know. He's got a really good IQ, so we're going to see. All right, enough on Chet Holmgren. He's unique. He looks like a giant skeleton. I, I'm, I think he's must TV because I like watching Giddy. I like watching SGA. I like watching him. And then uh, every game there's a chance that Lugans Dort murders somebody. So so that for that reason, league pass, OKC is a must, right? You have to check in on Lou Dork. You have yes. to because yeah. oh he would God. be one of the greatest UFC fighters in the world. I'll I'll stand by that. Okay. Yeah, so, Kimbo, Slice, Kimbo Slice and him would be a great fight. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Uh okay, number three, let's move on. We got uh our guy Jabari Smith, the guy everybody thought the day before was gonna be number one. Let's pull him up. Um, uh, he is uh from Auburn University, of course. Uh Got drafted by the Houston Rockets. This is one of my favorite league pass teams. For those, you know, you probably don't know what well, you know. I love I Kevin Porter Jr. I'm a huge Kevin Porter Jr. guy. Uh, he never gets mentioned. They talk about Jalen Green all the time, but Kevin Porter Jr. never gets mentioned. Jabari Smith is 6'10. I didn't see his weight on here. What do you think he is? Maybe 215, 220? Yeah, they, they list him at 220. 220, um, okay. Yeah, so okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go there. You know? Yeah, 6'10, 220. Okay, not, not Chet Holmgren, uh, so a little bit thicker. Uh, they were in a no-brainer spot. They had absolutely no choice. Fair? Like, yes. they were going to take at the three spot one of those big three bigs, no matter what. It didn't matter who it was, and they probably would have been okay with any of those three just because, based on team needs, all three of those guys fit what they have. Correct. And, and again, especially listening to post-draft uh, info, it was that, that Holmgren was stuck at two. OKC yeah. was taking him for sure. So ultimately, it was either Banchero at one and Smith at three or vice versa, which we all thought it was going to be Smith at one. But, um, you know, Vegas has a way of, uh, of finagling that a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Well, and you got to remember, people see odds in Vegas and they're like, oh, well, this this must be. It doesn't necessarily mean what's most likely. It's Vegas trying to spread money, right? Vegas trying to make money on the spread. So if they're getting too many bets in one direction, they're going to move that line to make sure they get an equal number of bets. They're just trying to balance bets, right? Um, and so a lot of people forget about Vegas odds. They're a little bit different than what they think they are. They manipulate those. Um, so I heard in a workout, well, I've heard numerous scouts say Jabari Smith's the best shooter in the draft. We're just saying a lot for a 16 guy who's going to play probably the four, you know, in some small ball five. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard he made 45 out of 50 NBA threes in his workout. Now, again, that's in an NBA gym, sure. right? But that's still 90%. That's a lot of NBA threes in, in a workout. I and mean, maybe just the sun was shining on a dog's ass one day. But um, I, I don't think Bancaro was going to make 45 out of 50 threes on any given day. No, and, and I wouldn't think anybody else in the draft would except for uh, – what was the kid's name in the second round? The foreign kid. Um, mm -hmm. Anyhow, I'll remember it later. We'll uh, but nonetheless, I think that you're 
your issue with him is simple. First of all, when I watched him play, first time I saw him play this year, it was an SEC game. I can't remember who they're playing. It might have been Kentucky, but um, his release is phenomenal. Okay, yeah. and and it right. is he shoots it really easily. Um, he is fundamentally sound. He can catch it at the pinch post, turn face up, and just shoot it over you. Um, but when you look at the numbers, okay, he shoots forty two from three, but only forty two nine overall. Right. And I think that's where lack of physicality is going to be his issue. Um, and you you look at the Rockets and I know you like that as a league pla- league pass team. I think it's a team full of diseases when it comes to offense. Um, and I think he may struggle with that because he's not going to touch the ball nearly as often as he was. And yeah. he really if you watched him play in college, he really wasn't super, super aggressive and super, super assertive. Now he's great. Yeah. He's a freshman, you know. Um, and I just look at you got two mega alphas on that team already offensively who can score the ball. Um, and, and then you got a, a young kid coming in. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't like the fit. I really do not like the fit really? for him. For him. Yeah. Yeah. Personnel wise, it makes all the sense in the world. Sure. I, I, I don't know, man. We're going to see with him. It's well, he's not going to – even if he thinks he has a green light, he can clap all he wants. That ball ain't coming to him from Jalen Green and Kevin Porter. <laughs> but I will, I will say this, and I, and I know I'm very, very uh, biased, but Kevin Porter I thought was overly uh, giving of the ball to Jalen Green considering – well, they both shot horrific percentages. Let's, let's just be honest about it. But I thought KPJ was kind of going out of his way to be facilitator first, scorer second. And I don't think that's his – that's not the way he should approach the NBA game. He should approach the game as, I'm going to drop 40 on you unless you try to stop me and you help and you trap and do those things, and then I'll start passing the ball. But, you know, again, all these guys are babies, Jonathan. I mean, these guys are babies. They're so young. I mean, they're they're four years behind Jason Tatum, who everybody's like, well, Jason Tatum is still just a baby. Well, he's, you know, he's 23, 24, whatever. I mean, these guys are even younger. So – um, especially at that perimeter, at the point guard position, it's just really hard to develop that soon, that fast. John Morant's just a freakish exception to the rule, you know. But take into account when Jason Tatum came into the league, when John Morant came into the league, when you take some of these other guys, okay, um, they played they played a, a higher level of winning basketball than Jalen Green and Kevin Porter. Yeah. Okay. It, it, um, it festers. It festers, Jonathan. Yeah, and that and look, that's me – coming off of a series where I watched Jason Tatum really struggle in the finals because he forced too much stuff. Right. Yeah. But, but the reality is he comes in the league. He's not the main guy because Isaiah Thomas was on the team at the time. And, you know, I, and I think that, um, you know, those guys were super interested in winning. I don't think those guys in Houston are interested in winning. I think they're interested yeah. in the limelight and the stats and the money and all that. And look, I may be a hundred percent wrong. I don't know any of them. Right. I just yeah. where they play. I don't, I don't yeah. like Well, and I know you don't mess around on Twitter, and I don't either, but everybody knows I collect KPJ, and they're like, man, you should have seen your guy on Twitter the other day. They were He and Jalen Green were at the beach. They were drinking. They had cigars, and they had girls everywhere, and it was like, he needs to get his ass in the gym, man. They need to get their butt in the gym. And they were like, he had a shirt off. He didn't look real lean, and I'm like, well, that scares me as an investor, you know? Yep. Um, that would really scare me as the GM of Houston because those two guys pretty much dictate everything. You're right. Um cancerous uh type attitudes can fester the good news is they got the biggest cancer out of there christian wood but we'll see if these two these two guys apparently like each other and so sometimes that will bring you know a team together they they seem to like each other despite the fact they're always fighting over fgas you know 
No doubt. Um, all right, so can they move John Wall? That's the question. Uh, the Rockets can move John Wall and bring in a Jeremy Grant type guy. You know, not they're not going to bring in some super all NBA guy. They're not going to bring in Bradley Beal because he's duplicative of, of, uh, of Jalen. But can they bring in like a really good three and D guy if they can move Wall's contract? Does that does that move the needle at all for Houston? Or they're just like at least two three years away? No, they're at least two three years away yeah. for sure. And I think I think they're they're going to have to move one of their two centerpieces right now. You think so? I believe so. Yeah, because you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you know, addition uh, addition by subtraction a little bit in that situation. Um, because you're you're it's kind of like what Boston's dealing with with Tatum and Brown, right? I mean, you you're kind of hamstringing one of those guys by having the other one around. Now, the difference in the Boston situation is those two dudes guard, right? They guard. Yes. Them. Well, um, one of them especially. Yes. Yeah, but the uh, the Rockets do not. So I, you're going to have to move one of those guys. They do not guard. I, I know that from watching Lee Pass. And maybe that comes with maturity. I don't know. But they aren't right now. That's for sure. Right. Um, yeah, that takes maturity. That takes sacrifice. That takes a lot of things that we haven't seen from either one of those two guys yet. But, again, they're tiny little babies. So let's give them a little bit of time to mature and grow as men. Uh, all right. And so uh, and we know a little bit about Jabari Smith's dad, right? We got to watch him play at LSU. He's got two, two of his best plays in history at LSU – we're the exact same fake wraparound, one foot, one hand dunk, right? Once against Grambling and once against, I think, Arizona. Arizona. Arizona, yeah. So same move twice. Both yep. were exceptional. So that's what we remember about Jabari Smith. We really like him. Was he – he was there when Stromile Swift was there, right? Sure was. Yeah. He was an all-SEC guy. Yeah. Um, he was a, a good player. second-round pick, I think. Second-round yeah. pick when he came yeah, out. Yeah. Bounce around for a little bit. Um, but, no, he was a really good college player. Yeah, yeah. I think he had a cup of coffee with the Kings, I think, if I recall. Yeah. He played with the Kings, huh? Okay, number four, uh, Keegan Murray. You got to back up. You got to back up. Who's your comp? Oh, my comp. I keep forgetting my comps. Uh, you know, I, I've got Chris Bosh on here just because he's the same height. He's left-handed, so it's hard to look past that. I've got Bosh on here because Bosh was kind of soft, right? That was kind of a knock on him as well. Um, I don't know if Bosch shot it the same way. And, of course, guys back then didn't shoot it. The three, anything like these guys that are 6'10 now, uh, or shoot it as often. But I've got Bosch as the comp on, uh, because I don't think Javari Smith's all that athletic, dude. I mean, I know he looks like he would be. I just don't – I think he's okay. I think he's got okay athleticism, but he doesn't have plus athleticism by NBA standards. So I've got Bosch as my comp. What do you think about that? I don't uh, – Bosch is – who everybody had as the comp, right? Yeah. Um, I think he is uh, – I think Bosch was a better defender when he was younger in Toronto than Jabari Smith is right now. Um, I'm going to throw a name at you and and just hear me out on it before you crush it because, sure. you know, at times it'll – I don't know, anyhow. So, I offensively, I see some Tobias Harris in his future. In other words, he's going to be a better three-point shooter than Tobias Harris is, Okay. But just a guy, I think he's going to be a better creator than people realize two, three years down the road. I think he's going to be able to one, two dribble pull up. Um, I think he's going to be a good, um, you know, pick and pop, but pick and pop and rip guy, you know, getting to the rim potentially. Uh, the spacing is so much different. So while Tobias Harris is never going to be a great three point shooter, and I think Jabari Smith is going to be a great three point shooter before it's over with, um, that's the one de definitive difference. I, yeah. I see some of that in his future. It's not right now, but I, yeah. I see it potentially. Do you um, – if you had to say that 14 years from now when Jabari Smith's career is over, is he closer to Tobias Harris or is he closer to a Hall of Famer like Chris Bosh? 
as far as statistical accolades and accomplishments in the NBA? The ceiling's high, man. It would be closer to Bosch, I would say. I think so, you know? too. I think so, too. Yeah. I'm not going to go out on a, on a limb here and say he's a Hall of Famer <laughs> right. because uh, because Bosch would have been. And Bosch's numbers would have been – I mean, dude, if he had stayed healthy and he had never teamed up with Wade and LeBron, his numbers would be preposterous. I mean, look, I've got it pulled up early in his career. I mean, he's he's 22-plus in 24-plus in Toronto. His, I mean, dude, look, how many stars are next to his name? That's What is that, 10 all-star team? Maybe an all-star team came there every year he was in the league at, at, from age 21 on. Yeah, he made 11 all-star teams. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, he's 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 a 22 and 10 guy. That's not normal. So, uh, especially not for a full decade. So, uh, okay, so we got uh, we got we're done with Jabari. We're moving on. So we knew a little bit about Jabari's dad. We really know something about uh, Keegan Murray's dad because we played AU basketball together our sophomore year. We went to the national tournament back when the national tournament actually meant something. We went down to San Antonio with our team from Louisiana. And back then every state got, well, not every state, but most states got two teams into the national tournament and you just played a big giant ass tournament. Right. Uh, I don't know if Alaska or Hawaii had teams, but most states you could get two teams eligible and we got to play against Kalamazoo, Michigan, and they had an absolute phenom monster who looked like a 27 year old grown man. Uh, named Kenyon Murray, and he was very difficult to defend, and he was a very good player, and he went on to play at Iowa, and he was fantastic there, all uh, Big Ten there as well. And so Keegan Murray is Kenyon Murray's son, so we got to play against Keegan Murray's dad. But you have another story. You are even more familiar with Keegan Murray. Tell everybody watching uh, what you know about this kid, Keegan Murray. So um, during the pandemic, um, Skylar Mays, who played here at LSU, like we talked about earlier, um, I, I basically, because of his inability to get to Chicago to Priority Sports, which is Mark Bartlestein and those guys, probably one of the three biggest NBA agencies in the world, um, he couldn't get to them to do his training. So he stayed here and we would go into our facility and, and train uh, during that time. And their agency ended up hiring me as his trainer. So as I'm, I'm training him, um, I'm developing a relationship with those guys. Well, for the, you know, for those couple of years, they wanted me to come up and help with some of the pre-draft training. Um, asked me, you know, look, could you, could you come up? And well, the issue was the COVID wouldn't allow it. And then there was the funky schedule the next year that wouldn't allow it. Um, yeah. It was past this past, well, shoot, it was about, I don't know, two months ago, I was actually able to go up to Chicago for a week and help with some of the pre-draft training where Keegan Murray was training. And, um, you know, I was I was involved with several different sessions that he was involved in. But there was one in particular where it was just me and him because see, he wasn't allowed to play in any of the, you know, the competitive stuff, obviously, because they didn't want him to get hurt. Um, and, and I'm watching this kid the whole week and I'm like, he is a robot, like in a good way. Right. He's a yeah. he's a robot from a standpoint of no facial expression, just gets to work. A lot of guys who are projected lottery picks, probably they were probably in Vegas, L.A., partying, having fun, whatever. This dude was in the gym just getting after it, just working. So I have this one-on-one session with him, and we're working on pick and pop stuff, and I'm talking about shallow versus depth and this and that. And um, he really – he said very little. All he did was make every shot he took just about. And <laughs> and, and, it, and his shot aesthetically is basically perfect, okay? Um, no movement on his guide hand, perfect follow-through, no excess movement, Um and so you can tell he's been trained, I'm, I'm assuming by his father, right? So at the end of the session, okay, 15-minute session, me and him, no stops. Just go, 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 go. Phenomenal conditioning already, okay? 
he asked me, he's like, okay, so coach, what, what type of coverage would they be in uh, to determine whether or not I go shallow or deep? And I'm like, oh my God, I love you. No one, no, no wonder you're going to be. And so right. as I'm, exp I'm explaining him to him why it's this way, he just looks at me at the end. He's like, oh, it makes perfect sense. Turns around and walks away. And I'm like, this kid's going to make it. He's going to make it. Yeah. For sure. Now, he's sure in an interesting situation as well, right? In Sacramento. I just think he's such a super solid dude. I think he's going to be a very, very good NBA player no matter where he goes. Yeah. Uh, so comps, uh, I think you're going to like my first one, but he might be um, he might be better laterally. Uh, I like Danny Granger. What do you think about that as a comp? It's not bad. He's bigger than Granger was. Um, you know, they list him at six eight. I think. Yeah. Man, he's. I think he's. I think he's taller. Now. Really? Yeah, I do. Um, I like, you know, they, they everybody wants to call him Pascal Siakam. I, I, oh no! Yeah, I don't. I don't see that. Hell no! I don't see that because he, he shoots it better. Siakam's turned into a decent shooter, but he he shoots, he shoots it, better. it better today. Yeah, correct. he shoots it better right now for yeah. sure. And he's more efficient with his movement too. Yeah. Right? Um, so Granger's not bad. Um, what do you think I, about Glenn Rice? Uh, no, Glenn, I mean, Glenn Rice was an elite shooter. And, uh, what do you think about Paul George, a smaller Paul George? Uh, Paul George, when he got in the NBA, was 6'8", you know, grew correct, to 6'10". Correct, but Paul George was a handler already when he came into the league. And, Keegan's and, not a handler. He's not, he a, he's not a smaller. No, he has it okay. He's just not going to be an initiator, right? Handle it to score. He can handle it to score. We, we talk about handling and, and ability to dribble the basketball. There's a couple – couple of types of ball handlers in the NBA. There's there's guys who initiate offense that are high usage guys that get other people involved and create create opportunities for the teammates to score. That's that's handling to initiate offense right. and for the sake of handling oftentimes. And then there's just handling to get yours, as they say, on street ball. Uh, Keegan Murray can handle the ball to get his. Yes. And he's not going to be a guy who you put into pick and roll action as the handler. Right. He's not going to do that right now. Maybe eventually. But yeah. right now, he would be the pick and pop guy. Um, I just think when you if you go back, if you watch any film of him ever, his movements there is zero wasted motion. Zero. Yeah. I, I've watched it. And the other thing, which is, and you know, guys like this, Brian, you've, we've seen a million of them. Guys who don't, you don't feel like they're playing very hard or moving very fast, but their guy never goes by them. Yeah. They they get every defensive rebound. Yeah, um, they're able to get by their guy if they want to. They can create yeah. space. You know, they never get their shot blocked. I mean, he's just a guy. You know. Yeah, you just described me in my twenties. I can't believe uh, I've got yeah. so much in common with Keegan Murray. Right? I'm probably a little more athletic. You know, and probably a little probably. bit worse attitude. Probably, a probably better. a little more confident too. You're you're more in the Jalen Green mode back then. Yes, I am. You're right. I, I'm I'm in the in the background of the of the beach photo with Jalen and uh and KPJ getting it. Uh, so this was the team. This is I'm just gonna call it like it is. This is the team nobody wanted to go to. Yes. But if anybody could get into Sacramento and make it work, it's probably Keegan Murray. It sounds like good head on his shoulders, good mom and dad, good just good solid foundation, a pro's pro, ready to just teach me, teach me, show me how to be a pro. Um, yeah. You know, again, nobody wants to go to Sacramento, not just because they suck and have sucked forever. Uh, management's terrible and always in flux. No one wants to live in Sacramento. Sorry if any of my viewers are in Sacramento, but I'm just calling it like I see it or I've heard. I've never been there, uh, but I don't see it as a huge free agent destination. So if you're going to grow something in Sacramento, 
you better draft your ass off is all I got to say, right? It's kind of the same thing with OKC. If you really want to make it happen, you're going to have to get there and trade or get there by the draft because no free agents are going to say, oh, I can't wait to get to Sacramento. Not anymore. Um, Not after, you know, look, if it didn't work with Weber and Divots and Stojakovic and Jason Williams and Vivian, those guys, you're not getting that. That's not coming again. Not like that. I don't think it is either. <clears throat> I don't think it is either. Um, so he's in the mix right from the jump with Harrison Barnes and Mo Harkless. Does he, does he, does he kind of come off the bench and be a rotation guy for a year? Or do they plug that mug in there right away and say, that's your wing right there. And then Harrison Barnes comes off the bench. Or I guess they could move some pieces around. I mean, yeah. Because yeah, they're not going to win anything. Barnes could play the four, right? I mean, he could in, in today's game. Yeah. Um, Keegan's definitely a, a three and a half, four, you know, could play super small ball five. Uh, physically, he's he's a little stronger than he looks, um, but, you know, he's wiry. I, I think that with him, here's the deal. Regardless of what he does, the way I envision it with him, if he comes off the bench at the beginning of the year, they're not going to be able to keep him on the bench. Right. So, you don't earn his way in. Yeah, eventually, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Her look, if there is such thing as a window for Sacramento, yeah. Harrison Barnes ain't in it. We know that. Right. And so, you know, if you're going to opt for for a wing and, and they're what and what right now and Barnes brings some stuff to the table. But I think you throw Keegan Murray in there. Barnes could play the undersized four uh, and then make them a really, really high tempo team. And they play it with a really high tempo. Sabonis doesn't really help the tempo. Um, but but I guess you're looking at Fox and then either Davion Mitchell or DiVincenzo at the two. Keegan Murray, Barnes, and then Sabonis at the five with Rashawn Holmes coming off the bench. Um, Murray, Keegan in my opinion, Keegan has to start. Like, you got to say they won, but I'm not sure they're going to – I don't know how they handle I, I don't know what the hell Sacramento thinks, honestly. Yeah. Nonetheless. Yeah. Um, if any team in this draft needed to be in the top three, it was Sacramento. They did. Right? They did. Because any of those three guys paired next to Sabonis would have been, been perfect, yeah. um, in my opinion. Um, anyway, all right, so that's it for, for Keegan. Uh, you see him as an all-star one day, yes or no? It's tough, man. There's not that many of those out there, man. Same guys are getting it every year. Man, I'm going to say yes. I'm pulling for the kid, and but I'm going to say it's not going to happen in Sacramento. That's a pretty safe assumption, right? If Darren Fox averaged like 24 and 10 and did not make an all-star team – yeah. Uh, that, that pretty much seals the deal. That's the same thing as saying, I'm going to say Sacramento's not going to win an NBA title in the next five years. Yeah, probably like that. not. That's <laughs> probably true. Uh, all right, fair enough. We're done with Keegan, okay? I like Keegan. You like Keegan. Um, yeah, big-time player right there. And now we get to our guy that we think was the best, uh, or at least probably has the most upside in the draft, uh, Jaden Ivey. Uh, I was sitting there. I was like, please don't. You know, I, I did not want Jaden Ivey to go number five to Detroit because I think the Pacers are next. And I think uh, the Pacers are in the process of moving Brogdon. I think they're trying to move Brogdon and Miles Turner. So I was thinking that would be a place where Jaden Ivey could really thrive. I like watching Cade Cunningham. He really came on strong towards the end of the season. It, it really started clicking. It, and, you know, everybody was real concerned at first because he couldn't hit the side of the you know barn with his jumper. And then he started to click, and he started to figure the game out, and it really slowed down. And he didn't have a lot of help around him, but he still started putting up really good numbers. Uh, so I was kind of hoping that Jaden did not go to Detroit, but they had to take the best player available. I hate the fit. I think it's horrific. I think it's as bad as it gets. Uh, he's a ball-dominant point guard. Cade is a ball-dominant point guard. Uh, who slides to the two? Cade? He will. Yeah. Um, yeah, he will. 
Cunningham, they'll play, they'll play, it'll be a dual thing, but I think Cunningham's your point guard there for point, whatever you want to call it there for yeah. as long as he's there. Um, I look at Ivy as, and I know he's a combo and a ball dominant guy and all that. I look at him as a freaking scoring machine in the NBA yeah. at some point. That's why I think the fit may be a little better than you feel it might be. I, I It is certainly not ideal. That is for yeah. sure. Okay. Um, but his, you know, one of his biggest issues is he's not a great catch and shoot guy, but part of the reason is because he takes a low volume of those because he's always got the ball in his hands. Um, if he can develop that, uh, I think Cunningham's a dude who makes the game easier for the guys around him. He always has. And, uh, it, it may end up working out. Okay. The reality is though, um, you have those two guys, you got to get another serious dude at some point. Oh, they're not even playoffs in order to even think yeah. they're not gonna do that much, obviously but i'm just saying i'm not asking you any questions about detroit because nothing i asked you is relevant they're at least two three years away and they need another all-star caliber type player or uber super prospect uh yeah. when you know i don't think i'm gonna surprise anybody when i say that my comp for Jaden ivy is delva dope you know i mean i think they're almost the exact yes. same player i mean it and, and anybody who thinks differently doesn't watch the game. They don't, right. right. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But if you don't think he's like Delva Dover, your opinion is wrong. And really, it's more of a mix. And people may remember this former Orlando Magic point guard. Kind of a mix of Delva Dover and Chris Corciani. It's really yes. kind of in the same mold. Yes. yes. Both, you know, both those guys are super long and rangy and athletic. Yes. And, uh, it's like creating the perfect point guard, right? And blending those two guys, Delva Dover and Corciani. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. No, but seriously – um, you know, probably John, every you can't look at him and not think John Moran just because of recency bias. I mean, John Moran it just did this and just yeah. he just came out of nowhere, just like this kid did. Uh, Jay Nobby, believe it or not, is significantly bigger than John Moran. I mean, he's 6'4, yeah. 200. Um, that's pretty good size, you know. He's put together a little bit better. Jaws, tiny, tiny, almost Iverson like. Um, yeah. and so I think Jay Nobby's frame, I mean, he could get Jay Nobby could look like uh, I hate to use Chris Dunn as an example, but like. He could look like Chris Dunn maybe in a year, you know, 6'4", 210, 212. That's a, that's a tank, man. Chauncey Billups Dwayne kind of Wade. built. Dwayne What's Wade. That? Yeah, Dwayne Wade, that kind of build, right? Um, who, who knows? Uh, you know, well, let's talk about let's talk about Jaden Ivey. What else we got? Uh, terrible fit. Two dominant ball, uh, high usage point guards. I don't like that, but bye-bye Killian Hayes. He's absolutely irrelevant. I thought he was terrible yeah. anyway. Gone. Yes. Yeah, go, go back to France and play in France. Um, Detroit, I have my notes. My notes literally say Detroit still sucks ass. Fair? Yes. Yes. Terrible. They're, they're not even remotely going to sniff the playoffs. Do they win no. 25 games? No way. Okay. Yeah. Because, and, and the reason I say that, you just shipped out your second best player, which may be third, but Jeremy Grant is now gone. You got nothing, right. you know, useful in return other than picks. Uh, and then your bigs are Sadiq Bay, Bagley, and Isaiah Stewart. Yeah. And I guess if unless you count um, Kelly Olenek, I mean, I, that's not going to get you into the playoffs in the East and the NBA anymore. Every one of those um, guys, playoff team comes off the bench. Every one of them. Yes. Uh, all right. I got, I got three guys and you've got to put them in order of most athletic. I don't even want you to explain yourself. Just answer the question. Yep. John Morant, Jaden Ivey, and Derrick Rose. Prime Derrick Rose, obviously, right? Okay, so I'm going to go Ja, Derek, and Ivy. And um, let's just say that all three are absurdly close. Okay. Yes. Let me ask, Fair let enough. Me ask, I, let me ask you a question. Okay. Where, 
where do you put Brian Russell Westbrook in that class? <laughs> uh, I don't like to qualify my answers because I separate athleticism into horizontal and vertical. Uh, but if I had to put him in there, I'm not answering your question. I don't know. I'm about to cut this thing off because I hate even trying to answer it. I would put Westbrook. I just haven't seen enough Jaden Ivey to put him in that conversation, but I've seen highlight clips where it makes you go, whoa, you're not supposed to dunk the ball in that situation or off that foot. That's not normal, right? The difference between those three guys and Westbrook is with the ball in a straight line, I don't think any of those guys are as fast as Westbrook. That's just nope. so horizontally, uh, I say horizontally, I mean groundbound athleticism from A to B. I think Westbrook is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Prime Westbrook, right? Prime Westbrook. So I would say this, okay? And I have an argument that I think Russell Westbrook might be the greatest athlete in the history of the world, okay? And here, here's why I say that. Yeah. None of those guys you named could consistently, on a made basket, which Russell Westbrook probably gave up, by the way, <laughs> yes. could, could take an inbound pass and go dunk it on the other end. Right. Off an inbounds. Okay. Yeah. And I've seen him do it tens of times. And it's here's the other thing people don't realize with Westbrook is he's blowing by people who aren't really closing out on him because he can't shoot. Can't shoot. These guys can actually shoot a little bit, right? I mean, a little bit. Uh, and Westbrook has always got this huge gap, but even in his prime, it didn't matter. Now, obviously he's, He's declining and diminishing, which is sad to see, but uh, but it happens to everybody. So that's a tough one right there. That's four nasty, freakishly athletic dudes. Yeah. Um, does he have more upside than any of the big three that we named, The and, and Keegan Murray? Does he have the most upside of the five guys that we've talked about? I think he does. Okay. Yeah, I think he does because I think his game translates the most easily out of all of them. Yeah. For sure. I think his, the spacing in the league for him, even as bad as Detroit is, you know, <laughs> I think he's going to put up a bunch of empty stats, but but it's going to be a lot of them. You know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's gonna be a lot of them. You know what I you know what the, the kind of the correlation, the reason I think he's gonna explode when he gets the league, uh, is because the, the four guys that got drafted before him that we just named, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, um, Boncaro, and Keegan Murray were all bigger than their opponents in their yeah. opposition. And so yeah. they got to bully people. Yeah. Uh he thrived in college, but it's almost going to be like he's getting uncaged when he gets in the NBA. And when there's that much more space, dudes with this type of electric athleticism and ball handling and scoring ability, I think he's going to be unleashed on the NBA. Very similar to what, what John Moran did. I know? think he's a dude who can come in the league, and this is saying something now, I think he can shoot seven to eight free throws a game. I think he yeah. can get in that seven or eight free throw attempt. Yeah, and that's it, man. That That's how you get to 25. You don't get to 25 points per game unless you're getting six, seven, eight uh, free throw attempts a game uh, or 10, you know, in some cases with Harden and, and Giannis. Um, uh, all right, we're not even going to talk about Detroit. Uh, we both think that he can be a franchise guy. It's going to be weird watching him develop side by side with Cade because I think Cade's a, a, a potential franchise guy as well. It's just going to be really weird. Um Again, I guess I'd like to watch that team on League Pass, but I don't know. I guess – Ugh, it's going to be weird. Let's just say that. Uh, next, Benedict Mathurin or Matherin. I'm not really sure. I think it's Matherin. Um, big, uh, big, strong, physical wing out of Arizona. Uh, got drafted by Indiana, which is where I was hoping Jaden would drop to. But Benedict Matherin goes to Indiana. Six foot six, 210, 215. Fantastic looking NBA body on the wing. Uh, body comps, just like the way he looks, right? Anthony Edwards. Isaac Okoro, DeAndre Hunter, those three guys, kind of that's what he strikes me as physically, 
the way he moves and things like that. Um, Anthony Edwards is a little bit thicker, obviously, than 210. So he's in a little bit of a, a, a different class there. Uh, who do you see him as a as an NBA comp? Anybody that comes to mind? Jalen Brown. Yes. I see. Yeah. I think he's uh, you know, he scores it well. Um, great comp. with another another really good player as you know, um, as well, another first round pick. Um, so I I, I see that. I, I like you know, when, when when you say stuff like Anthony Edwards, like Jalen Brown is is freakishly athletic. Anthony Edwards is like alien athletic. Agreed. Right? So Agreed. I don't see this kid as that necessarily. No. So I would like yeah. more I just meant body-wise. Yeah, like yeah. certainly I'm not comparing his athleticism to uh, – now I might compare it to Jalen Brown, who's a very, very elite athlete, right? But, yeah, you're right. Anthony Edwards is in a whole other world. Anthony Edwards, John Morant, Rose, yeah. Westbrook, LeBron, young LeBron, guys like that, different different world. Uh, he is a perfect fit for Indiana. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to move Brogdon. It sounds like they're not taking no for an answer. They're going to find a way to move Brogdon to Miles Turner. And they're going to hit the reset button in a major way. Uh, that's going to result in Halliburton, Heald, and Benedict Matherin, I think, as the one, two, three, unless I'm missing somebody. Maybe somebody comment below if I'm missing somebody. Um, Indiana's in terrible turmoil. Uh, another, just like Sacramento, not a free agent destination. They're never going to get anybody there. Um, the people who's there definitely coach? love their basketball. Who their coach is. Who's their coach? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's player coach. I think it's uh, Buddy Heald. I think player coach. Yeah. I didn't know uh, if it was George McGinnis or if it was Buddy Hill. Yeah. No, it's not Rick Carlisle anymore. It's not Bird. Is that uh, was the nineties I'm thinking of. Is it Detlef Schrempf? Is he did he come back? No. <laughs> I don't think it is. I think the Dutchman's coming back to coach. <laughs> right. Uh so I, I say Indian is in complete turmoil. And here's why. And you've heard this before, and you, I'm sure you agree with me. Good in the NBA is worse than terrible. Like if yes. you're terrible, you're getting these bites at the apple, right? You're getting these these chances to just like flip your franchise and pick up the next franchise cornerstone. Indiana just keeps being not quite good enough, right? And so they're never getting that dude. They're just never finding that guy. And the only way you're going to build something in Indiana is a trade, uh, you know, or drafting the guy. Uh, and so when you're good, not great, and you're good, not bad, you're just kind of stuck in limbo in the NBA. And uh, I think that's something they've tried to address by reducing um, the advantage that the worst team has in the lottery to get the first pick. So they've kind of like changed the ping pong balls around. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, if they keep finishing, you know, 19th in the league, I mean, this is kind of what you're going to get, you know. So maybe they struck gold with him. What do you think about Benedict Matherin? Um. I think he's got a chance to be a, a very good uh, pro as a role player. That's the way, that's the way I view him. I, I don't think okay. he's going to be an all-star. I don't think, um, you know, I don't know. I, I know I'm comparing him to Jalen Brown. I'm just saying from a standpoint of, you know, when I watch him move, kind of his style of play. But again, look, you, you nailed Jalen Brown. Okay. I didn't necessarily think Jalen Brown was ever going to be an all-star. And he is, you know, the first or second best player, depending on night, on a NBA Finals team, right? Yeah. So um, I think that uh, – I don't think this kid's going to be that, but I think he's going to be – because he's physical, man, and yeah, he's yeah. going to be he's going to be a good defender, I think, in the league, you know, multiple positions. So, yeah, I see him as a, as a good piece for a playoff team. Maybe he's a guy off the bench, but, you know, maybe he's the fourth best starter, whatever it is. But I, I think he can be a good role player. You know? I don't see how he – Jonathan, I mean, I'm a little higher on him than you. I don't see how he doesn't get the opportunity and, and push for first-team all-rookie team. I mean, doesn't he have to start? I mean, if they're they're clearly rebuilding, 
I'm saying clear. on a playoff team. Ah, yeah, yeah. No, and you're talking long term. I'm just saying, don't you think he's going to be able to push this year and get big time field goal attempts? I mean, Halliburton yes. is not a shoot first guy. Heald yeah. is. Um, yeah. Heald doesn't really create his his own that much. Uh, but Halliburton's a super willing passer, kind of a Dejounte Murray light uh, distributor kind of guy. And uh, I don't know who else is going to score for them if they move Brogdon and Turner. Yeah, he's going to have to. He's going to have to start for sure. <clears throat> um, again, though. I don't know how, how much have you watched him play. Did you watch him play a bunch? A little. Yeah, I saw. I'm, I'm really making shit up here, dude. I'm kind of talking out of my butt. You know that. I, I know. So am I. But it, it's a, <laughs> to to me when I watch this kid, and I missed on Tatum right to a degree because I thought Tatum was stiff coming out of uh, college, and I still think he is a little bit stiff. Yes. Right? I still think there's some yeah. issues, um, and I don't think this kid is stiff. I just don't think. He is like a supernaturally gifted, super polished star. offensive player. Yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't slither through people, but I tell you yeah. what, he's bouncy and yeah. no he's put together. Yeah, and he shoots a good percentage, and he's a good three point shooter. So, but again, there's three levels that you got to score the ball to be a big time scorer in the NBA. You can't just make threes and dunk the ball. You've got to have that mid range game. Um, you know, so. Okay, that's uh, that's Benedict Matherin. Um, no way Indiana becomes relevant anytime soon. Really, his his you know his ball handling. We want to see if he's got elite ball handling. Right. Um, you know, we don't know that yet. Um, Again, you know, what's funny he's is, nineteen years old. He is nineteen years old. We got we we keep bypassing that. That goes without saying. We're we're not saying you know right. the, there's no chance. We're just simply right. saying based on what we've seen in the past yeah. and just taking a wild random guess. This video may not age well, right? We may have already <laughs> passed six Hall of Famers. You never know. Um, but what's funny is that I made a note of this. It's like what I just kept hearing everybody saying he's an incredible three-point shooter. He's an incredible three-point shooter. And he shot 37% from three. What, college line. What from the college line? What did like, you shoot in college? What did you shoot from three in college? I was 42, 43 with guys hanging all over me. Yeah, yeah, R right. And not not six six two ten and able to create nine feet of separation either, Thank right? You. That's Thank right, you. a little more contested. I mean, I was shooting 49, 50%. Now, I was all catch and shoot, and you were doing a little more off the dribble, and you right. took a lot more than me. Right. But I'm sorry, 37% ain't cutting it in my book from college three if you're the best player on the floor. That's just not well, good. Look, here's what my, my freshman year, I think I shot 48 because I was open, right? Yeah. Um, and then after I wasn't open anymore, then it dropped to 42, 43. But no, you're right. And it's like this guy, it, you're playing him to drive for sure. Okay? Yeah. And he's you're better. He's got to have some gap, right? So if he shoots 37, that means he's okay. He's yeah. okay, you know, but uh, not a great Not player. elite, right? That, that ain't elite in my book. Just because um, it looks good coming out of your hand doesn't yeah. mean you're a great shooter. The ball has yeah. to freaking go in. It's called the Ben McLemore rule, right? Yes. Just because it looks like you have the perfect shot, that doesn't mean you have a perfect shot, no, right? Not mechanically, but you still have to use your eyeballs and make yes. the ball go through the hoop. Yeah. Um, let's see. I got another one for you. So we missed you missed the Ben Simmons one earlier. I'm really disappointed in that. So I've got another one. In the past 15 seasons of Division One basketball, four guys have had 80-plus threes in a season and 35 dunks. He's one of them. Okay. I forgot to write down the other three, so it's not going to be a good trivia question. But Lonzo Ball was one of them. Lonzo yeah. Ball was another one. Yeah. Eight, yeah. Only four guys in 15 seasons, 83s and 35 dunks. Doesn't that seem – it seems like there would be 100 guys that have done that. That doesn't seem that hard. It's two, a little over two threes a game and a little over one dunk a game. It just seems like there's a lot of mm, – I don't know. 
I, here's my question for you about the, that question is Lonzo Ball did it. Did he take 300 threes that year? I don't know. I think he actually, I think he took 700 threes. Okay. Because I think he wanted to make sure he was on the list. He's developed into a pretty good shooter, but yeah. oh, so bad back then. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. He has actually, he has become a better. And thank God I can watch him shoot it now. I couldn't even watch him shoot it when he was in college. That was awful. Yep. Um, we don't know what the starting lineup is in Indiana, but um, they're definitely not trying to win now. So I think Benedict Matherin is going to have a good chance. If you're a basketball card collector, he's a guy you probably want to look at because his name doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. He wasn't exactly super crazy hyped coming out of college, you know, like uh, Jabari or Chet or those guys. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to put up some really good numbers rookie year with a lot of opportunities. Next on the list is Sasquatch. None other than they keep saying he's – was at Kentucky, and yes, he was located on Kentucky's campus, but he didn't play basketball for the University of Kentucky. Shadon Sharp, okay? Uh, he looks like Kobe White in this picture, but it's not Kobe White. He's a lot bigger and taller and stronger uh, than yeah. Kobe White. So Shadon Sharp is um, from the University of Kentucky, somewhat, sort of. Um, he is, got drafted by Portland, which is my team that I like to watch on League Pass because of Anthony Simons. You know how I feel about him. Uh, 6'6", 200 um give me some comps for shade on sharp what you've seen of shade on have you even seen has anybody seen shade on sharp so if you watch him a little bit uh and this guy's name is coming up way too often for my liking but jalen green is a, is not a bad comp for him um he is not as bouncy but he's pretty bouncy uh this this will give you some context because he never he hadn't played basketball in any significance that we know of but he did average 23 in the eybl Okay. That's where I was going next. I was yeah. going next. So if he if he's doing that, I mean, we all know. Well, we know for sure he's playing against the best players in America. And if he's doing that at twenty three, now I don't know what he shot. You know, did he shoot thirty seven percent? Did he shoot forty seven percent? But the highlights sure look impressive. And yeah. he's your. I'm going to say I'll call him typical six six, rangy wing who can create space, and he's a natural. He has a natural look to him when he moves and scores. So, yeah, um, yeah I think he's got a chance. Three things. I, I, I made a list of three things that give me a little bit of confidence. Keep in mind, I've never seen the kid play. I've seen some highlights. I've read about him. Uh, you know, I've seen some clips. Uh, number one, you nailed number one. He led the EYBL in scoring. That matters. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's the Nike League. It's, you know, arguably the best uh, grassroots circuit in the nation. Not arguably. It's the Not best arguably. grassroots uh, circuit in the nation. Um, you know, go down the list of guys that played there, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum. Uh, we go forever, right? Um, Jaleel Okafor. Grayson Allen. Yeah. Grayson Allen. Uh, anyway, big-time players play in the EYBL. It's about the best circuit you can get. So he led that league in scoring, number one. Uh, he uh, scored 23 points in 28 minutes in the EYBL, which is 33 points per 40 minutes. Right. That's a big clip in the EYBL. I've uh, been there and seen that, and that is not normal. Uh, number two, Coach Cal wanted him at UK, even if only for half a season. Yep. That means something. That yes. means Coach K thought, I could bring this kid in, and it might be the difference between a national title and not, right? Right. Uh, and number three, he was the consensus number one player in high school before all the chaos, and he stopped playing high school and all that stuff. So. Um, those three things give me some hope that a lot of people have put eyes on this kid. Um, from what I've heard, some of the NBA scouts, when they came to watch Kentucky practices, he basically stole the show. Like he was clearly the best player in Kentucky practices. And while Kentucky right now is not what Kentucky was a few years back, 
they're still putting out pros. They probably still had seven pros in that, probably 10 pros, probably seven NBA pros in that Kentucky practice. And everybody who saw him said he stood out head and shoulders and people's jaws were on the ground just because of what he can do. So um, he's kind of, I call him a Sasquatch. He's, he's lurking in the shadows. Nobody knows anything about him. He's a perfect type of candidate. Uh, if his cards come out at a reasonable price point for card investors to look at, you know, the upside for Shadon Sharp. Uh, because everybody says high risk, high reward. Now, the question is, I think, Jonathan, from what I've read, his motor, his consistency, his work ethic. Um, can he even play in a team setting? He's never really played in a truly. I mean, the EYBL, let's be real, is yeah. get out of my way. Watch me get it. You know, uh, it's not it's not college basketball. It's certainly not structured NBA basketball with rules and, you know, spacing and certain, you know, pilot practice, you know, practical considerations and stuff like that. So I don't know if he can process all that stuff. Um, but he, my cop for him, he reminds me of Tyreek Evans, uh, big, strong, physical, uh, super silky ball handler, uh, great build. Uh, he's probably even bouncier than Tyreek Evans uh, from what I've seen. But Tyreek Evans is a rookie of the year, man. I mean, Tyreek Evans averaged 20 points a game as a rookie uh, in our favorite city, Sacramento. So uh, he's he's kind of one comp. Another comp is Cam Reddish, but he's a little bit uh, he's a little bit smaller than Cam Reddish, mm -hmm. and I, I don't want to really compare anybody to Cam Reddish because he hasn't done anything. Um, and then who else do we have on here? And then yeah, I have on here he's maybe a little bit thicker Jalen Green. That's what I have a little thicker Jalen Green. Um, Tyreek Evans, I have as a comp for a later guy in our draft. Okay, so I'll save that. Um, okay, I think I think there's a couple interesting things about this kid, in my opinion, not knowing much about him. First of all, the Blazers have history, right? They have had a successful history. Um, you know, typically they're not in this position in the draft. Um, and so when you have a, a veteran-laden organization like they typically do, right, you're going to take a chance at the seven spot on a kid who didn't play a year of college basketball who's not 7'2 or not 6'11 and rangy, right? Um, he must be able to play. Yeah. That's the only. That's the only way I can look at it. Um, this is not a. This is not a franchise drafting that that is a you know, a disaster in the draft year after year. This is a. This is a, a team that knows you know what you need to do to win. Maybe not titles, but but be consistently good. So there must be something to it. That's the way I look yeah. at it. There's got to be something to it. I can't. I'm, I'm with you. I can't sit here and speak from a position of confidence of saying what he is. I just. I keep reading what he could be, and I've read it in so many places. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, the kid must have tremendous upside for the Blazers to have done this. And the Blazers are in a very confusing situation anyway. Yeah. Why would you move Covington? Um, who else did they move? They moved another 3 and D guy. Norman Powell, yeah. McCollum. But keep Lillard, whose window is – I would I got to believe it's closing relatively soon. Yeah. Why not just move it all, right? I mean – I mean, I know Lillard's being loyal to you, but I mean, it seems like they should get down, sit at the table and say, you know, Shadon Sharp, Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, you know, let's just blow the whole thing up because they're going to end up in that, in that Indiana good but not great situation. And like they are right now. So long. They've lived there for so long. That's the problem. Forever. You know? even, even with LaMarcus Aldridge, they were there back when LaMarcus Aldridge was playing. Yeah. You know? Just never could put that second or third guy with their main guy, or their main guy wasn't good enough. Or right. Whatever, you know, so. Yeah. 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 You're right. McCollum is a great player. McCollum can't be the beta on a championship team. No. Period. You know, 
And, and the good news is yeah, the good news is the Pelicans, he's he's three A or three B, depending on how you look at it, right? You got Zion, you got Ingram, and then you got J V and McCollum. You know, those yeah, kind of three A, three B. They gotta trade Zion. That that's a that's a different vibe. That's you not trade Zion. We 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 could do a whole separate video to. on that. Yeah, they're not going to, but they need to. But yeah, well anyhow. It just depends on what they get back. But yeah, you're right. Um so uh yeah, anyway, I don't is he a franchise player? Who the hell knows? I don't know. You don't know, we're not gonna guess, but I nope. mean I a lot of people not. like him. Yeah. Uh, next is a, a guy that we hopefully we'll get to see if we can make a little trip 50 miles down the road to New Orleans. Dyson Daniels uh, played at G League Ignite. Let me pull Dyson up here on our screen. I'm not very good at using these screens. Uh, we got Dyson pulled up right there. Um, got Dyson Daniels from the G League Ignite, right? That's the team where they put together the super kids, and then they play against the other G League guys that are chasing uh, contracts. He's uh, got signed by uh, – he got drafted by New Orleans, the Pelicans, um, 6'6". 185. Apparently, he's 6'8 in shoes, though, which I thought was odd, right? Is he wearing Skechers when he gets measured? I'm not sure, New Balance, what he's doing. But he was 6'6 barefoot, but 6'8 in shoes. So it's some hellacious shoes. Yeah. Um, comparisons. Have you gotten to see this guy a lot? Who do you, who no. do you see when you see him? I, because I haven't watched G League at night, so I, I basically did just some research. I did, see, I did see clips. So in the clips, it looked like a little Tyrese Halliburton, but it was uh, – that's really the only comp I have as of right now. I, yeah, I'll be completely transparent. I don't know a lot about anybody in the G League Ignite. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, and and that's the downside of the G League Ignite. The NBA scouts get to see these guys more than college, right. but the fans and just people who love the NBA really rarely get to see them. I guess I could if I really wanted to watch online and I cared enough, but I don't. Yeah. Uh, so uh, first G League got drafted in this draft, right? He went uh, right here, number eight to the Pelicans. Uh, he went NBA Global. He played in the NBA Global Academy and then straight from the NBA Global Academy to the one year with the G League Ignite in the G League. Um, so there's not a huge amount of public fanfare out there. Um, uh, the bad news is he's a guard and he shot 26% from three yep. and 59% on free throws. Uh, that is very worrisome for a six foot six player. Uh, am I wrong? Am I missing something he there? Shoot 50, did he shoot 59 or did the next guy shoot 59? I, I, I had this kid at 74. The next guy, Jeremy, also shot 59. But he he was 59, I think it was maybe two-thirds of the way through the season, and he may, he may have picked it up. Those were his numbers. Yeah, that's right. You're right. And then he shot 42% from three over the last two months of the G League season, which, as we know, 42% is incredibly elite now, right? But, dude. What did he, if he shot 26 overall, what did he shoot before that? Yeah, I know. That's what I want to know. I wonder, yeah, we, we did, well, you, you talk, I'll pull up G League stats. Let's see if I can find G League night stats. Uh, I mean, if you really want to do that, I, look, I will say this, David Griffin, I think is, uh, his track record is proven, right? With personnel understanding and decisions. So if he felt like this dude was better than a handful of other guys who, because the Pelicans are in a, in a position, in, in my opinion, where they could have gone a lot of different directions, right? Um, does, where does this guy fit in a lineup of, you know, if Lonzo's healthy, you've got McCollum, and you've got Herb Jones, and you've got – I mean, there's a, there's a, a number of guys. Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm going to trust – I need to I'm gonna stop trust you. David Griffin on this one. I but, need to stop you because I, maybe I am looking at something wrong. Okay. I've got on here that he averaged 11 point, 15 games, Yep. 11.9 points per game, Yep. 46% field goals. Okay, not bad for a perimeter guy. 34.7% yep. from three, so he, he did pull it up towards the end of the season. 
This says he shot 38.5% from the free throw line. That is I, – well, I pray – I pray that's an error. I pray it's an error. That that can't surely that's not possible. I had 45, 25.5, and 73.7. So I've got 38.5. 0. 0.7 made out of 1.7 attempts. Wow. Uh, I hope that's not correct. That's from the 21-22 NBA G League Ignite Tour per games, all games, advanced filters. Uh he did pass the ball. Uh and he had really good rebounding numbers for a guard. So uh 12 points. 5.7 boards, 5.1 assists. Now, the, the deal with him is everybody talks about how he's just super handsy, like he's in all the passing lanes, you know, right. he's paying the ass on defense, disrupts other teams' offense, and that's pretty pretty much clear. He, he averaged 0.7 blocks a game, which is a pretty good number for a guard. Uh, it's not Dwayne Wade or Michael Jordan, but it's a pretty good number for a guard. And then 2.1 steals a game is big time, right, when you're only playing 32 minutes a game uh, against grown men, you know. Uh, the one thing I'll say about, you know, G League players um, – you know, he's the first G League guy drafted, so that does mean something. But um, in this draft, I mean, uh, but those are all grown men that are trying to earn contracts to feed kids and wives and families. And so that is different than, um, you know, a kid that we're going to see that played for, you know, Santa Clara, uh, that playing in a, you know, a mid-major conference. It's just different, man. It's even different than Division One uh, college basketball. The talent level um, I don't think there's there's a crazy disparity, but the um, uh, how developed the, the opponents are physically, certainly I think there is. Uh, what do you think about that? How would you compare G League with uh, with you know Division One high major college basketball now? I don't, I don't think it's a lot different, and in fact, I, I probably uh, here's the one here's the one benefit to it in my opinion. I think that you're you're getting exposed to the NBA style earlier, sure. right? So, so I think that matters um, from a, from a talent standpoint, a competitive standpoint. You're certainly not going to get to play in the arenas that are packed out in the in all the crazy environments and things like that that you would have to navigate through uh, if you played it, you know, Power Five basketball. But um, you know, you do get exposed to the NBA game, which is a lot of the reason why um, you know guys are drafted on ceiling and then they come out and these teams take them because. They want – they're like, okay, look, we're going to stash you away for two years, three years before you ever play the game, but, but you're going to learn only how to play the NBA game, right? Yeah. We're not going to have to retrain you. Um, so from that – in that aspect, yes, it's better. From a competitive standpoint, I just can't see it being better than Kansas playing North Carolina, you know, yeah. or Duke playing Arizona. I, yeah, I, yeah, but Jonathan, Kansas doesn't play North Carolina every game. They also yeah, play North true. Carolina A&T, and they also yeah. play – you know, athletes in action half the time or whatever. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Sure. Um, I don't think there's any nights off because every night you're playing a dude in his 20s who is trying to live and pay bills and, and wants that contract. You're playing hungrier, grown men. Yeah. I, I guess I'll look at it and go, what, what are the percentages of the guys that make it from the G League versus the guys that make it from major college basketball? Right. And I don't know the answer to that. So, yeah, I guess unless you're able to figure that out. Yeah, know. that's a fair point. But you could also say the same about, you know, FIBA. You could yeah. also say the same about, uh, you know, the Spanish Division One League. That's yeah. is that better than college basketball? I don't know. Right. But it's, it's different because the, the age is different. Right. Yeah. The professionalism is different. The coaching is different. The, you yeah. know, the chemistry is different. Right. That that's for sure. The chemistry will be much different over there than these colleges where players are constantly going in and out. Right. Whereas over there, you got pro franchises. So I guess there's a give and take. Certainly, I would agree with you that as far as potential goes, 
I would suspect there is significantly more potential in Division One college basketball, as evidenced by 27 yeah. out of the 30 picks, you know, right. being Division One college players or or overseas. Uh, so it's interesting, um, and I guess time will tell. You know, I mean, this G League thing where people can skip skip high school and go play one year in the G League hasn't been around very long. So we'll we'll see how some of these guys do. You know, it's going to take a few a uh, few years to get a nice sample size so we can get some good uh, good measures on it. Um, you know, from what I saw, his mechanics were better than his percentages. You know, just looking at the video, I, I like this. I like the foundation on his shot. His, his stroke looked pretty good with room to grow. Um, I know he's a very versatile defender. Everything I read, just they could not stop talking about how special he was on the defensive end. And so you're talking about going to a team with some pretty special dudes on the defensive end as well. Like Herb Jones is, you know, borderline NBA all did he make he might have made all defense team one team or another second team okay uh you know as a rookie you know so I think they see a little bit of Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels I think he was thrust into playing the point guard position a little bit on this G League Ignite team when that's probably not his primary position and certainly he won't be called on to do any of that for the for the Pelicans because they have three and a half point guards depending on what you call McCollum he's he's playing point but uh you know Devontae Graham um, um, who am I forgetting? Devontae Graham, Alvarado, Kira Lewis, you know, so they've got a glut of point guards. So I know they didn't bring him in for that. I think they brought him in for a, another wing next to Herb Jones that can guard both ends, you know, guard and play on both ends. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't think he gets in the road. You think he even gets in the rotation this year with the Pelicans? No, no way. No way. Uh-uh. No. If he, if he does, he's either a hell of a lot better than we thought he was or something went really wrong again with the Pelicans and yeah. Herb Jones got hurt, Trey Murphy got hurt, yeah. Ingram gets hurt, something like yeah. that. I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, what do you think, generally speaking, about the Pelicans? What's their ceiling and what's a reasonable expectation? The Pelicans so, are, are a top eight team in the West if healthy, yes? 100%, yeah. And if, and if it all hinges on Zion, right? I mean, it does. And so where – when I said earlier they need to trade Zion, okay, in an ideal world, if Zion is completely healthy and bought into actually caring about things other than just scoring, okay, um, if he's a 10-11 rebound a game guy like he should be, yeah. if, he's, if he cares at all on defense other than blocking shots, um, then, dude, they're probably a top five, right? With you. They were eight last year. I've got it pulled up. They were eight last year with – Absolute chaos. Yeah, I think they're better because Ingram is the real deal, and McCollum obviously is a great fit. Um, Lonzo being out mattered more than people realized. It really oh, for mattered. Sure. For really sure. Did. Okay, so you take those dudes. Now you've got a really good team. Like everybody wanted to make the Bulls out to be something that they weren't. Right? Um, you had a bunch of dudes who, yeah, they put up empty numbers everywhere they've ever been. And none of them guarded anybody. That's these, it. Guys, these guys, they outside of Zion, they they care about the right stuff. So yeah. I think uh, they got a chance, man. They really do. Now, when when I said they needed to trade Zion, I was alluding simply to the fact that I I just don't trust the dude ever being healthy. I just don't. You know, yeah. um, his frame is bad, but he is without question. You know, because I don't want to leave leave the deal and people are going. This guy knows nothing about it. He doesn't think yeah. Zion can play. No, I think he's a transcendent talent. Yeah. You don't wish ill will upon him, but yeah. oof, that's an unusual oh. frame. You're asking a lot, and gravity's not changing anytime soon, and, and his yeah. weight doesn't seem to be changing. And I got either. some intel too, um, you know, from a couple different sources that um, during all of this time, 
you know, when they would have team meals and things like that, uh, basically his entourage would bring in canes and he would have a couple candy acts. And so like, he's certainly not the most disciplined dude ever, which I know doesn't, it's not surprising because you've seen pictures of him, but I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. he's going to have to surround himself with a different crew. Yeah. He, he came in as a happy go lucky. Yes, sir. No, sir. Polite kid with a great smile, super marketable. And, and sadly, I think, you know, the, the script has been flipped and now it's like spoiled prima donna, not willing to make sacrifices, not a team player, doesn't hang out with the team, too many people around him telling him the wrong things. Those are things you hate to hear with somebody as talented as him. So I certainly wish nothing but the best because I would much rather go down and watch a Pelicans game if he was playing than not playing like the entire season last year. Uh, and he means so much to, to the Pelicans just keeping the franchise. It really does mean a lot. So if they're going to move him, they got to get a man, uh, just a massive haul. And hopefully, I think they probably would if they really tried to move him. If they um, did it now, right? That's, now. that's my thing is they need to do it sooner than later because if he gets hurt again, then it's going to be an that's issue. Right. And, and again, look, we've talked about injuries. We've talked about lack of discipline, whatever. The most important thing that we haven't even hit on, I don't think the dude wants to be there. <laughs> I know. know. Yeah, so, it's a problem. Yeah, you know, I mean, the AD Chris Paul thing has already happened. You know, all that stuff. I, I don't think I don't think he wants to be there. It's happening again. The same thing that happened with AD is happening with him, and he's yeah. put in a lot less, you know, man man hours than AD even put in. So, uh, so the Pelicans finished eighth last year. You got to believe if they add a healthy, let's say, sixty games, Zion twenty four nine is fair yeah. for his numbers. Easy. My God, you got to believe that that certainly pushes them into the top five or six, you would think. Sure. I mean, obviously the Nuggets are going to improve drastically when you add Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. That's my team in the West that's going to be a problem. I think yes. that the Nuggets are going to be a problem, and I think the Warriors are going to be off to the races next year because I think uh, a more developed, more experienced Jordan Poole, Kaminga, and if they get Wiseman back, yeah. that is now the best rotation in the NBA, in my opinion, all things considered. Like top oh, eight. Sure. Top, sure. top eight, that's ridiculous because they're, they're, they're already number three. And that's, you know, that's with no Wiseman uh, and a little tiny bit of Kaminga and then a baby pool. And pool's and, getting, and Clay's going to be better. Clay should be better. That's right. That's right. Even he though he, he was he's coming then. off. Right. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, <clears throat> what he did. Yeah, people forget what that guy went through. Not many people have gone through yeah. those two injuries back to back on the same leg. That's not normal. Um, all right. I lost track here. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Dyson Daniels. OK, so we both agree. We don't know anything about Dyson Daniels. Right. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Let's just move on. Then uh, we do agree that he's probably not going to be in the rotation. So I don't look for too much out of him in the first year. And I would be pleasantly surprised if we did get to see him play uh, pretty steady minutes in New Orleans. I just don't see it happen. Yep. Um, the next guy, Jeremy Sohan. I think it's a silent C. I, people are going to make fun of me in the comments, I think, for this one. What do you That's think okay. it is? Um, honestly, I don't care. <laughs> do we care about Jeremy? You know what? Here's the thing. I want to blast this pick as the worst pick in the lottery. Yeah. Um, I, I watched. I kind of watched enough of his clips. Uh, he's he's out of Baylor, uh, winning program, obviously. Uh, 6'10", 230 pounds. Um, I think that the Spurs are hoping he's a Kyle Kuzma type. But I didn't see anything like that. I saw uh, Precious Achua, Amari Spellman, DJ Wilson type of flop potential. I just didn't see any of these things. What I saw when I watched him play was he looks like he's just a banger. Yeah. Uh, he does play hard on defense. He's an yeah. intense player. He looks like a ball mover kind of Draymond ball mover guy, right? Just move it to the next guy and let him score. 
Um, I think they put in his highlights every three he's ever made in his career, which is a a terrible percentage. He shot under 30%. Um, I just see an energy guy, a glue guy, and by all accounts, it sounds like he's a really good locker room guy. But I didn't see anything uh, that would lead me to believe that San Antonio got it right once again. And they are they are very good. They have a very good track record of, you know, people saying, who the hell did you just pick? And then they end up being right and looking like geniuses. Yeah. Maybe I am going to look stupid and they're going to look intelligent again, but I did not see it from this guy. Did you see anything? It's the only it, the, the only confidence I have is that San Antonio took him. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. That's the only hesitation I have from saying next. You he know? didn't start at Baylor, who was talented for sure. And look, Patrick Williams didn't start in college. So, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean everything. Yeah. Um, but he averaged nine points and six rebounds a game. Good. You say he's, he's a freshman. Um, I know they want to make him out to be OG Ananobi. He is not. Um, I I don't see it, man. He shot 59% from the free throw line. Um, you know, to me, if you're if you have the potential to be a great shooter, maybe you have a year in college where you shoot 77% from the free throw line. You never shoot 59% from the free throw line. Let me tell you something right now, and I'm not going out on a limb here. And, you know, obviously, this is two elite shooters talking right here, right? Yes. The world doesn't know who they're talking to right here. The one thing we do actually know about is shooting. We may not know about Jeremy Sohan, but we know yeah. about shooting. Yeah. I didn't shoot 59% in seventh grade. No. No way. No. no. There's no way. I'm going to go back and find my middle school stats. There's no you way. I've never shot 70, 59% in a season ever. I shoot 59% right now left-handed. And there's a chance – you took more shots than anybody in the history of middle school basketball. But it's not a chance, my friend. It was a goal, I think it was and I achieved it. I think it was a record. But nonetheless, um, you never shot 59%. Ever. No, never. Of course not. Of course. I also didn't like contact, so I may not have taken a free throw. But I just shot it before anybody got near me. You know that. That's a good point. Yep. Uh, he had the this Jeremy Sohan cat who's got um, funny-looking hair. He changed his hair color. He had the lowest points per 40 minutes of any player in the ESPN top 100 draft list. Hmm. Um, so not only did he, what did you say, 12 a game or something like that? Nine. Nine a game. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Well, here's um, what we do. Here's what we do with him, okay? Let's talk about Johnny Davis, number 10 pick, by the way. Okay, here we go. Johnny Davis, number 10. Uh, from Wisconsin, uh, got drafted by Washington. Washington is my number one team that I, I want to watch play basketball the least of any of the 30 NBA teams. That's a good – What do you hey. think? I find them to be the most boring team in the entire NBA. The only redeemable player on that entire roster that I would enjoy watching play basketball is Bradley Beal, and I don't know how much longer he's going to be there. That's a good point. That's a good think point. Think about yeah. how, how, how little you would like to watch Washington play. I mean, if you can think of a team – I mean, I'd rather watch Orlando – uh, just because they have a bunch of prospect guys that are kind of exciting and you might see somebody dunk a ball or something. Yeah. Um, I, there's no team that I would rather watch less. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. And and that's a tough statement too, man, because I really don't like watching Houston play. Um, oh, come on. Come on. You can see Jalen Green could do something you've never seen before. Nobody on Washington is doing anything good that you've never seen before. No basketball purist can stand to watch Houston. You know that. Yeah, um, Indiana's up there. Washington. Indiana's up there is unwatchable. Yes, yes, they are. I don't yeah. want to watch Washington. Though. You're right. They're they're in yeah. that mix for sure. They're right there, and they both finished right there. Well, yeah, they're right by each other in the Eastern Conference standings. And then guess what? They're going to be right there again because they are not any good. Here's uh, so, so we've got. Uh, they picked up Johnny Davis, uh, probably the most common name I've ever heard in my life. I don't even know if it's his real name. My comps for Johnny Davis just by watching some YouTube video of him and 
and reading a little bit about him is George Hill and Jordan Clarkson. What do you think? That's what I see. No, uh, I, I see George Hill to a degree. I see Josh Hart. Um, really? Yeah, I see Josh Hart because he can't shoot. So yeah. I think, uh, but I think he's a physical, he's an athlete, but he averaged eight rebounds a game. Um, yeah, that's pretty good for a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guy. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I see Josh Hart and I see, um, you know, he shoots 31 from the three. I don't think he's ever, probably never going to be a great shooter, but I see him as a, a potentially a wing defender that becomes like, I don't know, probably 75% of guys drafted in the 10 spot in the draft. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and your percentages of hitting home runs goes down pretty measurably as we work our way through the lottery, right? Yeah. Um, um, so here's, here's some – Go ahead. Here, here's a couple tidbits on Johnny Davis. He won a gold medal with Team USA, okay? So yep. he's, he's a winner. And he, when he played for Wisconsin, he was clear-cut unequivocally the man – and what's really weird about that, Jonathan, is his freshman year, he averaged seven points a game. Yeah. So a guy that averaged seven points a game as a freshman, uh, like, what, 15 months later, is mm -hmm. a lottery pick in the NBA. That's not yeah. normal. Uh, that would scare me, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but anyway, it is what it is. What happened with Johnny Davis is, and I may have my stats wrong here, but I think he scored 37 and 14 in a road win at North Carolina, and then all yeah. hell broke loose on him. Yeah. He yeah. got tons and tons of attention because uh, yeah. he did that to a really, really good Carolina team on the road. 37-14 um, is no joke for a six-foot-five guy. Um, so one thing we know about Wisconsin is there was – sorry. If we weren't on video, it would be a totally different comment. But uh, they're, very, they're very well coached. Right. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're going to be great locker room guys. They produce them year after year. Uh, Wisconsin produces professional type players who are intelligent, high basketball IQ, well coached, play both ends of the floor. So we know we're going to get that from him, especially if he's the best player on a pretty good Wisconsin team. Um, what I got from him, you're right. He shot 31 percent from three. That worries me when you're six, five. Again, shooting gets better. Uh, he's good at many things, but he's great at nothing. That's what I see when I see him. You know, and that, I see George Hill, man. That's why I yep. see George Hill. I think the same size, same shape. Uh, George Hill has been in the league for 30 years. So I know that. I know that. But if I said, hey, I'm going to give you George Hill as the number 10 pick, would you want George Hill or would you would you want to take another crack at it? Yeah, you're right. 100%. Yeah. I take another yeah. crack at it, right? Uh, so – it, you know, again, if Washington's picking this dude to to take Bradley Beal's place, ain't happening. It's just not. Yeah. You know, uh, this is not this 100%. is not Bradley Beal 2.0. Um, the Wizards have no point guard at all. They have Ish Smith, Raul Neto, Cassius Winston, and Tomas Satoransky. Who? Yeah, their situation makes no sense whatsoever. Like you're you're not trying to win, obviously, but you're yeah. keeping Bradley Beal. Like, yeah. how can you – I know they've tried to move him, but I don't feel like they've been super aggressive about it. How and big do they think his window is? How old is Bradley Beal? He's I mean, how be 20 I mean, if they're trying to – oh, my gosh. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. And on a championship team, at best, he's a second guy. Maybe a second guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Now, I'll tell you what. I heard this talked about the other day. This is neither here nor there. Uh, Bradley Beal is 28 – almost – he turns 29 in four days. Yeah. Um, so Bradley Beal's got four years left in his prime. Um, yeah. I don't think the Wizards are going to win a title in four years. Uh, but I heard this the other day. Uh, some of the idiot talking heads on TV. Sorry, I guess I guess we're one too. But um, we're talking about 
you know, the Bucks, would you rather have Bradley Beal or Middleton? And they thought that Bradley Beal would push them over the top more so than Middleton. I don't know. What do you think about that? Beal versus Middleton. You like Beal more? I disagree. I, I, disagree I, like, Middleton. I like Middleton a lot more. I, I like Middleton for numerous reasons, I think. Um, I, I do think he's a, a clutch guy who can close games. Um, yeah. Beal's never – I'm not saying he can't do it, but he's never been in a situation to do it. Uh, Middleton is a super underrated defender. Super underrated. Okay. He's 25 and, and 5. Yeah, and um, he actually has become a good facilitator. Like, he can make plays for other people. I don't think Bradley Beal does that. And I know he's playing on a terrible team, but um, I, I just – you ask me who I want to win a game with, I'm taking Chris Middleton, yeah. 100%. And you're, you're also leaving out one really big thing. In the playoffs, right, um, the way that the playoffs have been officiated lately, the one thing that Middleton can do that Bradley Beal cannot do – is turn his big ass around, go get in the post, and destroy a smaller wing. Uh, Milton's 6'7", 225, man, or 222, yes. whatever. That's big. Did you know that another one of his nicknames is WD-40? I did not, but no. now I do. Cash Money and WD-40. Never heard WD-40. Huh. Yeah, these are – yeah, they don't, they don't matter either. That's the best part. Um, okay. <laughs> so, Johnny Davis – we're done with Johnny Davis, right? The, the Wizards suck. Yeah. Johnny Davis is probably not going to put him over the top. Let, let's keep let's keep it moving. Um, okay, before Usman you start, Jang. Before, no relation to you... Jang that I know of. Yeah, before you say anything else, okay? Okay. I just want gut reaction, all right? Do we need to discuss this guy? I don't know, but I, I feel like we should say something because, like, in two years, if somebody pulls this video up, they could, like, clip it. And then, then you'll never live it down if he's like a you know by that time he's already two time All NBA. Okay. You don't so, think Usman Jang from the New Zealand Breakers is going to come into the Oklahoma City Thunder and be the focal point of their offense? So he was drafted by the Knicks. That's one strike. He plays for the New Zealand Breakers. Played for the New Zealand Breakers. That's strike two. Yeah. He is six nine one eighty five. That is six. That is strike three. Strike four, five, and six. He apparently has a high ceiling, and the comp is Brandon Ingram. If he is that, then I don't know. Tell me what I have to do two years from now when he's become All NBA. I don't know. Whatever it is, <laughs> you'll take um, that bet. I will. All right. Let me just tell you what my notes say. Uh, not NBA ready in any way, shape, or form. Uh, soft, not real athletic. He's a finesse pick and pop type guy. He reminds me of Chandler Hutchinson, if that helps you. Uh, I'm sure they're hoping he can transition to a supersized wing, but I just do not see it. Um, he's got shooting mechanics issues. He shot 24% in the New Zealand league from three and he shot 64% from the free throw line. The absolute best case scenario for him is that he one day becomes Nicholas Batum. Uh, the more likely scenario for him is that he one day is Kyle Anderson. Anything else Yet. you want to add to that? Yet he was taken four spots ahead of a kid from Kansas who was ready to play in the NBA today. Was a first team All-American conference yeah. player of the year. Uh, he was also taken in front of a seven foot, 260 pound center with a 5% body fat that yes. probably could have helped Chet Holmgren eat some more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know, this pick went from New York to OKC, right? 
This is an OKC pick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That would have been nice. If you put Mark Williams and Chet Holmgren together in that front court with uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Giddy, that's filthy and, now. And now you're now you're talking. And real quick, because I know we're probably running out of time, but um, let's touch on Mark Williams, 9'9", nine, nine, standing reach. Nine yeah. feet, nine inches. Nine, nine feet, nine. It, 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 he's not nine foot nine shaped like, uh, you know, Chet Holmgren or Bull Bull. This dude's an animal. This guy is going to this guy's going to be in the top ten in the NBA and dunks if he gets minutes on the floor. I mean, I would think so. yeah. well, and he went to Charlotte. Could it be a yeah. better – I mean, he's got to step right in and just, just say block everything, rebound everything, dunk everything. We'll Boy, teach we'll you run. basketball on the side. Just go yep. do – just do that. Yep. Uh, he's an animal, man. Yeah, we're going to talk about him even though we got a lottery. Uh, next, we got – okay, we're done with Usman Jang. Uh, now, I'll say this. Uh, let's talk about this kid from Santa Clara because you, you're familiar with the Santa Clara program, obviously. Um, for those of you watching, uh, Jonathan just recently, um, you know, coached a kid that played there for – he had three years of eligibility, so he played for Dunham for three years, right? Yeah, three years for Jonathan's high school program named Carlos Stewart. Great player here in Louisiana. Uh, one of the few players, uh, perimeter players that wears goggles that was actually really, really effective uh, and would dunk on your face. Um, yeah. So uh, Carlos Stewart went out, committed to Santa Clara, correct? Yeah. And so the next player on our list is Jalen Williams, who is from Santa Clara. Uh, he also is going to OKC and is significantly better than the pick before that went to OKC, who we uh, not even going to talk about Usman Jang's name anymore. Um Jalen Williams, six foot six. Jonathan, two oh nine. Who do you see when you look at Jalen Williams? I've got some comps down here. Um, Josh Primo is a good comp, I think. Um, Halliburton, sort of from a size standpoint. Um, I saw Jalen Williams in the clips. I saw he looked extremely comfortable in the mid range with the ball, creating out of the mid range, creating space, tricky kind of old man, tricky shots. He was pretty bouncy because I saw him do some things in clips here and there. But it looked like he had the ability to score at all three levels, which, you know, like, for instance, Usman Jang, every single basket I saw him make on his highlight tape and all the pre-draft stuff was a three or a dunk. That's all I ever saw. This guy lived and breathed around 12 to 18 feet from the basket. It was pretty impressive. I liked him. I think uh, this was my Tyreek Evans comp. Uh, okay. Better shooter. Better shooter. Yeah. Uh, but uh, really easy. Plays his pace. Can't can't get him to rush anything um a little bit bigger he's gonna put he's gonna put on some more mass too right he's he's more of a physical guy um and i know like you know carlos played with him this year and he was really one of the main reasons carlos's minutes were kind of up and down because this kid had the ball in his hands the whole time and and you're gonna let him do his thing because he can really uh really make make easy plays now granted he wasn't playing now the league he played in was really good it wasn't yeah. ACC, whatnot, but I mean, well, the best of the mid majors, right? For sure, well, probably is the best of the mid majors, yeah. right? When you talk about Gonzaga and St. Mary's and, and the other programs, but um, yeah, I, I think he's got a chance to be a sneaky good pro, uh, very efficient 51, 40, and 81, and then you know, average 18, four and a half, and four. So, you know, kind of a kind of a stat stuffer to a degree. Uh, and Santa Clara didn't play very fast this year, so. You know, yeah, that's the thing about them. So his his numbers will be a little bit could be more more inflated depending on on the situation. And again, sure. I think he's going to a good spot because he should be able to get minutes. I would think early on. I know they're guard heavy, but um, I like his game. It's, it's interesting, kind of old school, a little bit old school. You know? Yeah, 
uh, he uh, has a plus six wingspan. So yeah. um, seven foot two wingspan for a yeah. six six guy. That's exceptional. Uh, that's fantastic. Seven two wingspan is no joke right there. Um, the only issue, you know, and I, I say the only issue, this used to be a good thing because it meant you had experience, but he's a junior. Yeah. He is over 21 years old. Right. So, you know, while some of these guys coming out were like, oh, he's only 185 pounds. Well, this guy's 209, but a lot of these 18 year olds are going to put on 35 pounds in the next three years, just like we did when we were coming out and playing in college, you know? So, um, you know, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, but, you know, there's pros and cons, and it just depends on your perspective. It may mean he's a little bit more ready, right? He's had the ball in his hand. He's He's uh, been the puppet master for the Santa Clara team, and he's got a little bit of experience, and he's been the alpha. So, um, you know, and, and the same thing we're going to talk about with uh, Ochai Baji next, uh, who I also really like him as well. I like both these guys. Uh, oh, sorry, we got Jalen Duran before that. But uh, I like Agbaji as well. Um so total control of the game. He loves to operate in the mid range. He's a you know mid major monster. Um, you know I like him for OKC. Uh, I, and I let my notes say I like him better than the pick before Usman Jang, and it's not even close. So um, I, I just don't know how he gets on the floor with such good guards, but maybe he can sneak his way in the rotation. I mean they got some good good prospect guards, I should say. So SGA and Giddy are entrenched. Trey Mann's a good player, dude. Um, Lugan Dort is going to be on the floor just because he's kind of like their Marcus Smart, Draymond kind of mm -hmm. guy, you know, and every team needs that. Uh, so, I, you know, he can sneak his way in the rotation. He's got no – I don't think he has any chance to be a starter anytime soon. Um, no. But uh, it's just kind of a logjam of prospects everywhere in OKC. I mean, is there anybody on that team that's not a prospect? No, they all are I, except for SGA. I mean, Dort, Giddy. Dort. Yeah, and Dort. But, you know, you talk. it's funny to – real quick – rewind but talk about this kid at 21 like he's ancient you know and, and it's, know. it is the thing now it's like you know but what does that really mean it means that what is is his window now 12 or 13 years as opposed to 15 16 years you know like <laughs> it, it ain't like he's gonna be on the thunder anyway why the hell do you care oklahoma city you know what i'm saying like you ain't gonna resign him even if he turns out to be his superstar he ain't staying in oklahoma city yeah, yeah, you're right. You're going to get his prime years, so just relax. You're, you're right. That's a great point and uh, something that's often overlooked. And I don't know why GMs, are, you know, they harp on it so much. It's like you're not going to get those those peak years usually, and you're certainly not going to get the post-peak years anyway. So what do you care if they're 19 or 21? What does it matter? Um, here, here, you know, I guess my perspective. Here's my question. Okay? I wonder how many GMs and, – and, look, I'm certainly not going to claim to know more than a general manager, but I wonder how many – of them, their first question that they want answered is, can he play basketball? Right? Right. Or, right. Can he help us win? Or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, as opposed to length and. Or what has he done? How about yeah. what has he done? Yeah. 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 Like, can what have you done? Basketball? Not, can not what is your wingspan? Not how high on the ticker can you touch? Uh, or how fast you can run a shuttle run when you don't have to right. think about changing directions? You know which direction you're going. How about just. What have you done? What would what would you what would this kid do if you dropped him in Rucker Park against a bunch of grown men who are ready to tear your throat out? How would he perform exactly. in that scenario? Exactly. I'll tell you yeah. who would not perform well: Usman Jang. I would agree. 100%. You know who would perform well? I'm going to show you. Bo Cruz. Bo Cruz would. <laughs> no, you know who's going to perform well? Our friend down here at pick number 23, David Roddy. That's well, who would perform well in Rucker Park. And you know why? Because yeah, you know why. <laughs> number one, he doesn't need a foul call. Number two, if you try to call a foul on him, 
he wouldn't allow it. He'd take the ball down to the other end, and you're not going to fight. Yeah, think yeah. twice about it. There'd be one less player at Rucker Park if you try to call a foul on David Roddy. That's for sure. We're going to talk a little bit more about David Roddy going forward. He's like a he's like a Jamal Murray kind of with a little bit bloated face with you know a little bit of a Charles Barkley body, maybe some Prince Fielder. Who did you say? Sinbad and who else? Barkley? Uh, Jay Black. Uh, Jack oh Black. yeah, yeah, Jack Black, Sinbad. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, we can work with that. We can work with that. Uh, let's real quick. Let's talk about the last guy in the lottery, Ochai Agbaji. Tough well, name to remember. Duran, real quick. Oh my God, I skipped Duran again. Why do I keep skipping this guy? Maybe yeah. it's because he can't play offense. Let's, okay, yeah, go ahead. let's run through these last two guys because I think I think uh, Ochai is a he is what he is, but I think he's got a chance to be good. Let's talk about Duran real quick though. Tell me what you think about Duran. Uh, I think upside. Um, I, the comp that they gave him was Dwight Howard. Okay. Um, that I've seen across the board. He is not that. No, he not. is not that. No. Remember, Dwight Howard was the number one pick out of high school. Okay. Right. So this kid is not that. Um, I think he is not even a poor man's Dwight Howard. I do believe, however, he has a chance um, to be a good rim roll dunk guy, off the bench rebound guy three, four, five years from now. Um, maybe a poor man's DeAndre Jordan kind of deal, potentially. Exactly. DeAndre you know. Jordan is a great – DeAndre Jordan a little bit taller, uh, yeah. but but great, great comp. Great comp. <laughs> yeah. um, so what do you think about – uh, I've got Wendell Carter on here from a physical standpoint. Wendell uh, actually proved he could step out and shoot the three ball a little bit this year. I don't see Jalen Duran ever doing that. Well, he, didn't take that? he didn't take yeah. one out. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't see Jalen Duran doing that. Um, I see an energy guy. I see a rim runner. I see a rebounder. I don't know if he's a great shot blocker. I haven't seen him, you know, blocking shots in college when you're 40 pounds heavier and eight inches taller is different than in the NBA when you're playing against opponents that are smarter and, you know, more skilled. So I don't know if he'll ever be a great shot blocker. One thing I do know, he's built to rebound the basketball and he seems to play with a lot of energy and he dunks everything he possibly can. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, with that pick, you know, and it got traded to Detroit, I think they know what they're getting and I think they've seen it before and his name was Andre Drummond. Yes. So I think they're they're kind of reaching and hoping, hey, maybe this is another Andre Drummond. Now, Andre Drummond is about 280, I think. I don't know. I mean, I think he was about 6'11", 270, 280. Yeah, he's, he's a huge. monster. Yeah. He is huge. He's one of the biggest players in the league for sure, yeah. uh, along with Embiid and a couple others. But uh, I don't think they're getting Drummond 2.0, but I think that's what they're hoping that they got. Um, yeah. So I like him. I like an Isaiah Stewart that's already there, Beef Stew. I think he's kind of like an Isaiah Stewart, you know, and a precious yeah. Achua. Like, just one of those guys that just kind of just rebounds everything and tries to dunk it all back. I don't, you know, I don't know what what place he really has in the NBA. I guess if he can do it better than everybody else, he'll have a place. Okay, I'm coming out with this before you start on the next guy. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> this is a reach, but Ivy is my guy. He's our guy. We think he's the the has the highest ceiling in the draft. Okay. Um, outside of the first three guys and Jaden Ivy, I think the next guy is going to be the best player in the draft. Really, more than Keegan Murray? Yes, because because I'm I'm with you um, on the first three, and then Jaden and Keegan. Um, I like I like Benedict Matherin more than this guy, and I think they're the same player. I think they're very similar. I just mm -hmm. loved this dude's composure in the big game situation, and yeah, I think the ball coming out of his hand is really nice. He's gonna he's got a chance to be a really good shooter. 
Um, I know the comp, you know, they, people are saying DeAndre Hunter. I think he can be better than that. Although DeAndre Hunter was a badass in college. Um, yeah. And he's know, not I, done. He, he's still no, a baby he's too. You know, yeah, he's not the question, you know, people, people are like DeAndre Hunter. Is he, is he going to turn into Kawhi Leonard or is he going to stay OG Ananobi? You know, which is it, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, to me, it, it's okay if he stays OG Ananobi. It's okay. You know, like he's pretty good, you know, but I think, uh, at that point, I think DeAndre Hunter is better. He's somewhere in the middle, but I think this dude's yeah. got a chance to be really freaking good, man. Really, really, really good. So I don't know. I just felt it. I, I watched him. His game is very complete already. Um, he is again. He basically belongs in a nursing home. He's 21. So uh, you know, I, yeah, I know it's gonna be tough. <laughs> get it in um, while you can. <laughs> you yeah, running out of yeah. time. They'll be lucky to get 13 years out of him. You know, but he's, um, he's over 22. He's over 22 years old. I had him at 21. I don't think so. I think he's over 22. Somebody, okay. somebody, somebody watching can can uh, verify or deny. Let's see what he is. Where is he? There he is. 22.2. 22 years and two months old. Well, then, then they made a mistake. Then yeah. Made a mistake. Then, he's a, then he's a flop. He's too. <laughs> He's a fly. he's on the death side of his career. No chance. Uh, I like him too, Jonathan. I don't want you to think I don't like him. He'd probably be next after Matherin is my, uh, you know, Matherin would be, I guess, sixth. He would be my seventh out of this list that we've looked at in the lottery so far. Um, 6'6", 215. Um, for the comps, I put DeAndre Hunter. I put uh, Isaac Okoro, but I think he's way better offensively, way, way, way better offensively. Ironically, I think – He's going to Cleveland, and he's better than Isaac Okoro in every way and everything Isaac Okoro does. <laughs> so yep. I think he's going to take his position yep. um, and leave him without a job, to be quite honest with you. But uh, And then this comp you're really going to love. It's a blast from the past, Kalina Azabuki. So um, he, he kind of reminds me of, uh, of uh, Kalina Azabuki. Yeah. A little bit better handles, right? Kalina had a little bit better biceps. Uh, yes. Than right? everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and he's got a little bit better game probably. Uh, but Kalina had a nice little what decent about, career. How about this one? What about Corey Maggetti? That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, I think he's more polished. Probably so. You're probably I right. I think he's yeah. more polished. I think yeah. Maggetti got by a lot more on just preposterous physical prowess. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I think Baji is a little bit more polished. You know, it's yeah. probably because he's so old. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right. His three-point percentage improved every year, Jonathan, uh, which it should. Uh, at Kansas, he's, he averaged eight a game, 10 a game, 14 a game, and then finally 19 a game for a national champion. He uh, he had a 1.6 assist uh, to 2.1 turnover ratio. So this is not a facilitator. This is not a, a guy that goes out and creates for others. He is looking to get it uh, and yes. put the ball in the basket. Uh, he, I, you know, I've got on here, he's a get-me-a-bucket type of wing player, uh, which – you know, he can also defend, so he can do more than just score. Uh, I have He's the opposite of Shadon Sharp, right? Shadon Sharp, nobody's ever seen. We have no idea. Everybody's gotten to see like 130 games of this dude in college at a very high level. So there's no secrets, right? Uh, that's the other thing that you forget when these guys come out and they're 21 or 22. You know, guys like Jabari Smith haven't had a chance to get exposed. They haven't had a yeah. chance for teams to game plan against him and gang up on him. And how does he deal with double teams? Guys like this, they've been through that stuff, right? And so there's going to be a little bit more maturity there. He does have a 42-inch two-step vertical. That's almost – that's like that's an inch and a half, just an inch and a half below mine uh, yeah, last year. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah, last night. 
uh, one of the best shooters in the draft, a great 3 and D guy, but really his ceiling is going to be dictated by his ball handling and his ability to you know, become a full-blown playmaker on the offensive end. Uh, he can definitely shoot threes. He can definitely defend. He's definitely got maturity and leadership. The question is, is he going to be able to develop his offensive game where he can score at all three levels? I don't know. I'm going to reach here uh, because obviously we don't know, but um, I just – the maturity of his game where it is right now, I can envision him as a vet, five, six-year, seven-year vet, okay? Elgin Bailey. Being a starter, being a starter – on a championship level team, not okay. not the best player, not an all star, right. you know, not just a starter on a championship yeah. level. Team. I can see him doing that. I have no problem with that. No. I, I'm with you, dude. Uh, I, he's got a lot of intangibles. I like him a lot. Um, all right, that's the lottery. That was kind of our goal. Uh, let's talk about. I know you've got some notes. Who else stands out? You know what's funny? The next three picks, I'd really like to talk about. Let's just go through them real quick. I have no notes on any of these three we've talked a little bit about mark williams he's yeah. just a freaking monster uh i think he's just jalen duran only i would rather him to be quite honest with you um 16 242 so measurables are almost the same except that he's got a nine foot nine standing reach which yeah. means he needs like a seven inch vertical to dunk a basketball i think yeah. i'm pretty good at math i'm not good at basketball anymore but um i like mark williams everybody knows exactly what his role is and he's in a perfect fit in Charlotte. Uh, I'm trying to think of who Charlotte's center is right now. I keep thinking Bismack Biombo, but I know he was not on Charlotte anymore, but he seemed like he was there forever. Who is the starting center in Charlotte? Where am I? Let's go find it. Was, Do you know who the starting center in Charlotte is? It has to be um, – which one is – it's the balding white twin or balding white uh... – <laughs> No, not still. Well, Montrez Harrell's there, but he's short. He's 6'7". I well, say short. No, dude, uh, it's Plumley. Plumley, yeah. Mason Plumley. I thought you were talking about Zeller, the other bald white center. Uh, no, so yeah, it's Mason Plumley. He's okay. probably not the answer. He's probably not taking you to the promised land. I'm going to go ahead and put Mark Williams in there immediately. Hmm. Do you see him any way, shape, or form like a Jared Allen? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what he is. Block okay. every shot, dunk every ball, and get every rebound, and then run the middle of the floor to the other rim and occupy people. I mean, and I don't here's know. All, here's all that matters. Can he grow an artist Gilmore, Gilmore fro? Like Not Jared like Jared Allen. Allen. No way. I mean, look I around. I who else do you see? Mucci Norris, Jared Allen. Who else in Dr. the modern Jared. era has ever had an afro like Jared Allen? Yeah, Dr. J's, but his was cleaner. That's not modern. That's, I mean, you're, you know, you go way back. We can find all kinds. Artie Gilmore. We found all kinds of guys back there. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I mean, let's not let's not bring Afros into the conversation. Yeah. He's not going to be able to match Jared Allen in that way. Uh, what about AJ Griffin? I'm intrigued by that guy. Um, what do you think about him? He's a bigger Norm Powell. Okay, well, that's fine. A little, a little bit bigger Norm Powell. I think he's got a chance to be a good pro, man. I really do. Yeah. I think he's going to be a. a I think he's going to have a chance to score the ball. He's physical, physical, man. He's really physical. Um, they keep saying he's an elite scorer, right? I, I think that's a I didn't see it. Did you see that? Um, yeah, I, I definitely didn't see that. But I think that he – I think he has a chance to be a dude. Kind of like what I said about um, my guy out of Kansas. I, I think that he, he has a chance to be a guy who can be a rotational player on a playoff team. 
you know, yeah. down the road. I think his maturity level, um, you know, he's young, young right now, obviously, but God dog his body already. I mean, geez, he stands out in a crowd, right? He stands out. He's, he's a good eight to 10 pounds heavier than Agbaji, who I think is an animal already, yes. right? 100%. Now, AJ Griffin shot 47% from three as a freshman. That is elite, right? Yes. We've been making fun of percentages. Yes. That's nothing to sneeze at at the Division One level playing Duke and schedule. That's legit. The other part about that is, I don't, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Like, I don't know how many he shot. I don't know if he's a high, probably wasn't a high volume guy. Yeah, which at times makes it harder to shoot a higher percentage. <laughs> yeah, it does. First of all, for sure yeah. it does. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, anyhow, no, I think that that. I think he's got a chance. Now let's move on to the next one. Our LSU guy. That that's an interesting one. I, I want to get your take on it first. I we got to be careful how we approach I know. this. I know. Okay. Look, I, I um, met with a man a couple weeks ago, and I like the guy a lot. I you know I had a relationship with Will. I think all these things are are, are what they are. But you know, let's just be as objective as we can. Let's do like Barkley does with Jordan. You know, I mean it. You know, I mean, it's okay. It's Keep in mind, I might have to try to get the guy on the channel one day, but th this is about to go up in smoke. Uh, and of course, Jordan doesn't talk to Barkley anymore either. So, yeah. anyhow, good. Yeah. I don't think he can dribble a basketball. I don't think he has a high basketball IQ. Um, I think he shoots the ball from just below his right shoulder, between his nipple and his shoulder. Uh, he's as unpolished as any near lottery pick I've ever seen uh, that's a perimeter player. Um, I don't think he has the ability to change direct. His ball handling is so poor that I don't even think he has the ability to develop a counter move at this point. Um, I don't, what else do you want me to say? I mean, I don't think he belongs as the 16th ranked player. I think he he's an airport player, as we used to call him. He looks good getting off the airport, but uh, off the airplane. But he's not the guy, man. I think he, he looks the part, but can't play happy. it. He was not happy about where he got picked. You could tell last night. He was, oh, he thought he should have gotten drafted earlier. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, he was projected lottery. Um, well, you know, so or he potentially himself anywhere he wants. Uh, I, here's the here's the one thing I'll say about this guy. If if somehow somebody lights a fire under him and says, hey, you know, I want you to be the best perimeter defender in the NBA and just don't worry about anything else on the court except being the best on ball defender you could possibly be. Right. He's very elite, and he could he could be that person. Uh, but I don't know if that's in here because that takes this too, right? Um, I don't know if he has that. Uh, but that's his best bet to be in this league. Like if he's going into this league thinking he's going to be Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or a wing like that, there he is. I don't know how old he is, but he would need to be 11 for that to be a possible as a shooter I, I guess i don't see that that's my issue i don't see the potential as a shooter but again terrible yeah you can change that too right but i mean here so, it's, it's it's not even it's just his best bet is as a three and d guy that's a thing agreed that's best bet, we, right? we keep saying ananobi like it's a bad thing but man look tari easton could make a lot more money in the next five years than we we're going to make in our entire life yes. if he just guards his position as yes. good as he possibly can yep. plays every possession and then can make open corner threes if he 100%. can do what og ananobi does the guy could probably make a hundred million dollars in his career yeah. uh you know so he could what else? Who else are we leaving out? Is there anybody else you want to talk about? I know this guy, Malachi Branham, dropped a little bit lower than people thought. I think that's a better pick for the Spurs at number 20 than uh, than the goofball Sohan that they took at number, what, nine? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm not. You like sold. Walker Kessler? We yeah. talked about. Him. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm I'm not sold. I do. Um, where is my other guy from Ohio State? Oh, where is he? Help me out. Tell tell while you're looking for that. Uh, Tell me about um, Ty Washington. What do you think about him? Because I thought he was the best player on Kentucky's team. I do too. Uh, and I think he went low. Um, I, I just don't know. Like, okay, so he goes to Minnesota. Um, Memphis. Or did he get traded? He got traded. Okay. So Memphis took him and then he went to Minnesota. He got traded to Minnesota. Um, I don't think that's a great fit, obviously. Uh, but again, I, I think the kid. I like his skill set, and I think he plays really freaking hard. So um, they took a, they took a shot at him. You know, um, the kid that I was talking about, he didn't go till forty one, and the Pels picked him up. EJ Little, Ohio yeah. State. Uh, again, he's old, but he's uh, he's developed, man. He's a mature game. That to me, he was the best second round pick uh, okay. of any of anybody that I saw. And I, again, I don't know enough of these other guys. That's the thing. Um, but at the same time, I think he, he has a chance to be pretty good. The, the Williams kid out of Arkansas is pretty good that the Thunder drafted. I mean, I'm, I'm just realizing this. I, I guess I shouldn't have to realize this. I feel like the Thunder picked every fifth pick. Um, well, how about this? This is something that may have uh, – you, you may not have caught this. They drafted two dudes named Jalen Williams. By the way, how crazy is that? What the hell is that? Like that's the, That should be the talk of the draft. Yeah. At least they weren't spelled the same because I went back. No, thank God. Players. What a miserable nightmare for the PR team. Are they both guards? No, one's a center. Okay, good. Yeah, um, yeah I don't have anybody else, though. I, I think we covered it. I think this this draft is thin. Uh, you know, after pick, what, six? I mean, you sprinkle in uh, Agabaji, you sprinkle in A.J. Griffin, Mark Williams, but, like, I think you got – Man, I, I know it's tough to project, it's, especially with these kids being so young. But if you have 12 good rotation players in this draft, I think I'll be surprised. Yeah, I think this is a really weak draft uh, as far as superstar franchise talents. Uh, I know everybody's always super excited post-draft, and everybody's got potential until they have to actually produce. Right. I don't see it, man. Uh, we've been so spoiled, Jonathan. I mean, look, going back to 2017, we've been so spoiled, man. Um, just every draft class has been big time, big time. And, and 20, going all the way back to 2017, you got your Donovan Mitchell, Tatum, De'Aaron Fox. Um, I think that was also Bam, I think, that year. 2018, you got Doncic and Trey Young. Um, you know, uh, 2019, you've got uh, Zion and Ja, right? Um, and Kevin Ford Jr., we'll see, and Tyler Hero. Uh, and then you've got um, – wait, I got that wrong. Did I get that wrong? God, I'm getting my years. COVID is killing me with this. It's I'm so, so easy to get them wrong, though, man. That's the thing. It's so easy yeah. to get them wrong. Um, I, I just yeah. think this. You, you, the league is the deepest it's ever been. Nobody can argue yeah. that. Um, it's the most talented it's ever been. Nobody can argue that. I don't want to hear, you know, I'm not going Draymond's route where he said, you know, back in the 90s, this, that, blah, 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 whatever. I, I, I think the legends of those times, there were probably as many as there are today. Um, but like you're you're in the league, you're 10 through 20 right now, and you're 20 yeah. through 30 are way better than they were back then. Way no better. Question. No know? question. 
Um, All right. Well, look, we'll wrap it up. Um, before we came on here, here, let me get you on the big screen. Yeah. Before we came on here, we had another great idea for another video. It's not going to be two hours and 15 minutes. Do we just ramble about a bunch of role playing college players for two hours? 14 and spots. <laughs> what? 14 spots. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, uh, but we've got some other great ideas. So this won't be the last time that you come on the channel. So uh, hopefully the, the, People don't flame you and me too bad about our uh, projected players here. I know it's hard to make friends, and none of these videos ever age well. When you make this many predictions, um, you know nobody's going to get them all right, and so I'm sure we're going to look really stupid in the near future uh, because not all of them are going to be great, not all of them are going to be bad, but uh, it was fun to talk about nevertheless. So um, thanks for coming on. Anything else you want to share? Anything else you can think of? What, what else? What are you on your, on your horizon right now? Who else are you training? You're training Skylar. You ever yeah. see Langston and Garrett, those guys? Langston, Galloway, uh, Garrett, Garrett? Yeah, Garrett's not around much. Langston is is bouncing around right now. He worked out with Brooklyn. He worked out with the Lakers. He's trying to latch back onto a team. Um, Jarrell Martin's trying to get back in the league. His team, his team won the NBL championship in Australia. Okay. Um, he'll be back in the gym with me in a couple of weeks. Um, and then, you know, I'm look, how's his body look? How's, how's Jarrell Martin's body look? It's good. He trimmed up. He looks good. Uh, good. He, he, he's – He's athletic. Uh, you know, he shoots it. He shoots it a lot better now. That's the thing. Um, yeah. So I think you know we really worked on that. He really committed to it. Um, you know, and then I'm heavily entrenched in the name, image, and likeness world right now as well. Right. At that point. So I'm I'm all over the place, but it's all in athletics. So it's a lot of good. Fun. That's it. Well, I'm jealous. This is this is my athletic outlet, right? So I I put people in houses and help people buy shopping centers every day. So this is my only outlet as far as uh, speaking to people about the stuff that I love, which is basketball. So. Thanks for coming on. We're definitely going to do it soon. Uh, and we've got a really good idea for a uh, for a draft that we're going to do in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to put my research in, so I'm going to be ready for you. So you better make sure you do your research so you're ready. Oh, I'm done. I'm ready. Oh, you're already done. Okay. Well, right yeah. Give me three days. I'll be ready. I promise. And we'll do it again. Awesome. All right, my man. Thanks for joining. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Okay. Guys, thanks for joining. Um, Again, that's one of my best friends forever. Like we could literally talk basketball for five hours. So some of you guys will be really excited that we talked about basketball for over two hours. And some of you guys will have clicked off and gone and watched something else after about 10 minutes. But uh, for those of you that stuck around, I really appreciate it. Thanks for watching the channel. Thanks for subscribing. If you haven't, consider subscribing. I really appreciate it. I don't take any of my viewers for granted. Uh, I'd love to hear your comments below. Everybody's got an opinion on these guys that were drafted. So let me know in the comments what your opinions are. Uh, and hit the bell icon for notifications. I've got videos dropping literally daily. I don't know how long I can keep up this type of consistency because uh, I do have a wife and seven kids and two or three companies to run. Um, and uh, and I've got the national show to go to. So I've got all kinds of stuff going on. And I do need to buy and sell cards as well. So uh, I, do, I do love the comments and uh, I, I like producing content for you guys. So thank you all for watching. Uh, keep collecting, stay positive in the hobby and peace.